Today's date is January 20th, 2018. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Hit the Books Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. And we're here to give you all the saucy deets on everything comics this week. For those of you unfamiliar with the show, this is our weekly podcast that premieres every Wednesday where we talk to you about the latest comic book news. We talk to you about the new releases coming out to your local comic book shops on Wednesday. And then we talk about two topics of our choosing for uh, your amusement. And if we have a guest, their topic as well. Oh, yeah. Much amusement to be had. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, without further ado, Emery, what have you been reading? Uh, yeah, You know what? <laughs> Before we get in, I, we have to talk about this anyway. So okay. Yeah. I'm just going to get into it. Yeah, let's get straight into it. Our last episode ruffled a few feathers. <laughs> now, oh, in some ways, it yep. was annoying, but in some ways, it was good because it Gave us free publicity, I guess. But um, I relished every single second <laughs> of it. Uh, as you know, if you watched episode 19 or listened to it, again, we're on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. Um, probably SoundCloud soon once I get around to it. Coming to more avenues as time goes on. Um, basically, we responded to a tweet from Scott Snyder, who called out a particular vice writer named Nick Gazen. Um, who had set posted a an article for Vice, uh, saying you know the top ten comics of 2017, your typical thing. But then the bold hit subtitle was uh, something along the lines like uh, 2017 wasn't a great year for comics. In fact, I couldn't even come up with ten. And I quote: "Good, not great, not high level, not masterful. Good comics." For 2017. Now, you and I both know that's not true, especially when we read a hundred different titles on the new releases every week. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. This was an incendiary remark made by this guy. So it, it, we weren't even going to do this, but in response, we decided to do our top 10 comics of 2017. Again, we were only working from August. So if your book wasn't being published before that, we probably didn't read it. <laughs> Yeah. Le- at least if we did, we didn't review it and everything. And then, um, you know, there's plenty of titles we didn't even touch because we just don't have the money f- to buy every single title and read every single issue of everything. So, yeah. Uh, and even then, we still had a pretty easy time uh, naming comics. And I just wanted to add one to consideration, a comic I picked up this week, which is uh, issue number one of Sacred Creatures, which I think is on like its fourth issue now. Uh, by Pablo Raimondi and Klaus Janssen. Now, uh, this book, I it sucks that I read this literally the week after we did our top ten list <laughs> because I think I would have added this one to the list instead of one of the others. Is that right? Now, that's assuming, um, you that know, it, 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 it continued to good, be good. Yeah, yeah. That, that it's good now as it was with this first issue. But this first issue was a big mega size type of issue. It had a really thick. It was basically like a. A typical volume by itself that's what it felt like it's a thick book and it's only you know it's five bucks so you definitely got your money's worth the art was fantastic the writing was great and i'm gonna pick up issue two as soon as i can if i can find it uh seems pretty popular and i'm glad i finally got around to it because it has a really cool fun premise where it seems like this group of ancient beings or gods or something just kind of live among us and every once in a while they reunite to do something or take care of something and in this case there's this kind of like a 
manipulation and you follow this just nobody guy that just gets kind of sucked into it <laughs> and it's it's pretty cool it's pretty awesome i love the premise and hopefully it stays strong so i'll keep reading it so just want to shout out sacred creatures by pablo Romandi and klaus jansen sorry you guys didn't make the list but if i had read it literally like a week sooner you probably would have made the list but um anyway we ruffled some feathers because i guess uh, through the grapevine either you know through scott snyder or somebody else nick gazing saw it and for some reason cared <laughs> i don't know why uh but it's not like our audience is that big but not for some yet. reason he cared and so he, he responded um see even you couldn't come up with 10 good titles now at first Ooh. at first i was like okay maybe he just had like a, a dopey moment i've been there you know maybe he just didn't count right and he's just or Option number two, he's setting up to be a complete dick and respond with something none of those titles were good or something yeah. along those lines. I knew it was going to be one of the two. And so just like as innocently as I could, I responded with the list in numbered order, you know, in the order that we talked to, not how good they were in the list. It was just a random, you know, assortment. But I listed the 10 just to show that there was 10 and Scott Snyder like replied to it or something. And, uh, then Nick Gazon, sure enough, replied, See, it's harder than you think. I only see two good comics on that list. So, mm. and at that point, it told me everything I needed to know about this guy. <laughs> so, I, I just I, I didn't respond any further because it wasn't worth pursuing. But it just seems kind of gross that this guy who works for a news company, that is good. I like a lot of what Vice does, I, especially their Viceland documentaries. They're so fun. And... Uh, Granted, they speak to a very particular aesthetic of people, but that, it's still great content and one of the more, not invigorating, maybe refreshing sources for any kind of news or, you know, real stories. Um, this seems like a case of there's always going to be a bad apple in the bunch. Yeah, so for me, um, I don't take anything back about what I criticized Nick Gazon for because... If you watch the video, we did split it off so you can watch it without watching the entire podcast again. So if you go to our right. YouTube channel, you can see Best Comics of 2017 from Hit the Books Podcast or whatever. Um, in that episode, I started off trying to be as, like, I don't know, politically correct as I could. But then at the end of the episode, I just kind of went all out because it was four in the morning and I was tired and angry. <laughs> and I got myself worked up talking about it. So then I started calling out, like criticizing him and Vice. Now, the criticism of him, I would have taken back if not for his asshole reply where, you know, again, puts the entire industry on blast. You know, you t <laughs> hundreds of comics every week and you, you couldn't find 10. Right. Not not great, but good <laughs> comics. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, how much validation do you need in your life? Like, just it's like, I, I can understand being upset at Marvel. Yeah. Even in some cases, DC. But Image? Yeah. But by proxy, oh I, I also said this shit is bullshit from Vice or whatever. It's not Vice's fault. It's this one specific writer. I want to make that clear right now. <laughs> if that eventually gets more attention for any reason. I'd, I'm not angry at Vice. I'm angry at this particular writer for putting entire industry and all these creators and artists and letterists and all these hardworking people on blast, you know? Yeah. And again, you and I haven't been super thrilled with what Marvel's been doing and what DC's main lines have been doing. You right. know, the main storybooks, which we'll 
talk about in our did the content match the drapes today. Yeah, there, but there's plenty of room for that. But on the stuff that isn't mainstream universe, Marvel, DC, there's a lot of great stuff. Whether it's outside the major companies, uh, going into Image and Boom and Dynamite and IDW and whatever else, you know, Scout Comics even. Um, and then it, within the company, you got things like Batman White Knight, Mr. Miracle, and then Nightwing the New Order, and Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, which are expanding on old established universes, but in their own unique direction right. and why so just wanted to get that out there <laughs> before we get into everything um now we can get into what you've been reading did read that uh i got to read uh issue one of damage which is the first issue of the new age of dc heroes movement that they've been advertising constantly yeah and na- now they're actually getting tv ads <laughs> apparently they bought a bunch of tv ads to advertise the new age of dc heroes again something we've been applauding because what they're doing is taking you know kind of characters that haven't received much love and brand new characters that are diverse and giving them their own lines and committing to them right great but with, you, the, with that being said there needs to be some uh, quality uh, control right the the thing with comics like this is that it's very easy to approach this type of story yeah. in w- one specific way. Specifically, the, the kind of way that people would expect you to take with it, yeah. which I, I'm going to say it makes sense. It's unfortunate that there wasn't more of like a twist or a turn with this one, but uh, I'll give it the second or maybe even third issue to see where it goes. I'm hoping that it's... Not just a rip of the Hulk. <laughs> now, for me, uh, this book, not strong coming out the gate um, for two reasons. One is nothing really happens. Right. The entire book is over an hour. <laughs> like, an hour of time is what comprises this entire book. Yeah, it, it's a lot of dialogue and assuming that things happened off screen. Yeah, and then that's the second problem I had with it is apparently this character appeared in the metal, Dark Knight's metal event, <laughs> which, again, I haven't read it, completely judging a book by its cover, but the more stuff that comes out of it, the more I hate it. <laughs> because the stuff that comes out of it is lacking severely in quality and logic. Uh, it's just um, the, the premise alone is... Unfortunately, it's been a turnoff because that premise is more Batman. Yeah. That's exactly so. what that premise is. You want Bat Green Lantern and Bat Aqua Woman and <sighs> Bat just Superman thing? It, just stick a bat on just everything. Just uh, Bat Superman. How about that? Yeah, so that just makes me think they're running out of ideas for this new post-convergence universe. With that said, um, uh, I, I want to see what Silence or Silencer is all about because that one actually looks like it'd be yeah the silencer looks pretty cool yeah um even the terrifics you know i love mr terrific i just wish they would rename him because the name is so goofy and silly right but now like seeing where they're trying to do with the terrifics as a team book with lesser known heroes like metamorpho and stuff i'm looking forward to that we'll see how it turns out but i'm hoping i have hope i have suspicions (laughs) (laughs) The Fantastic Terrifics, perhaps? <laughs> I mean, there's four of them. They're all about science. They got a stretchy guy. <laughs> they, they got a girl. They got a, a 
big dude. And does one of them set themselves on fire? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's for the finale. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, damage, not a great start, but also not a terrible start either. It's very much middle of the, the ground. And if you're familiar with the Dark Knight's metal thing where he appeared, I'm not. Uh, maybe you'll like it more. But basically, the premise is this guy was a uh, a weapon. He was a soldier who was taken in to be- become a weapon with the idea that he was going to stop bloodshed on the battlefield by becoming the only weapon on the battlefield. And when we say weapon, <laughs> that's what they call him. <laughs> um, His name is actually damage. So, so <laughs> base, which they allude to a lot. It's yeah. so cringeworthy. <laughs> Some of that dialogue was, cr- yeah, it was pretty They don't even allude to it. They just say it outright. <laughs> so apparently this colonel who created him, um, who seems like a female version of um, Eye Patch Guy? Ah, uh, Fury. Fury. Thank yeah. you, Nick Fury. She. <laughs> this Colonel seems like a female version of Nick Fury to me. <laughs> but um, give it time. <laughs> Maybe she'll shave her head. <laughs> <laughs> but um, basically, the comic book it sets up this premise where this guy has become a weapon, where he basically becomes the Hulk where he can't control himself and he just destroys everything, which is also worrisome because now we got the Terrifics kind of looking like the Fantastic Four, and now we got this guy (laughs) who's apparently the Hulk, but he only lasts for an hour. Right. Um, So he's like the Hulk, but a Hulk who needs Viagra. Well, uh, I'm sure there's a lot you could do in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of Hulk mode. In terms of Hulk mode, yes. The Hulk lasts longer. He doesn't have to consult his doctor if it lasts for more than four hours. <laughs> we'll put it that way. <laughs> but <laughs> putting that aside, um, uh, yep. it, it, it talks about this pilot who was just like, who? <laughs> <laughs> and makes a big deal about this pilot. And then at the end, it seems like this colonel is going to be butting heads with Amanda Waller. Right. Which does set up an interesting premise. We'll see, because I'm not too fond of the current Suicide Squad. But yeah, <clears throat> I feel like it's just an excuse to put Harley in more books. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, also, I really hope that they're not going to do a... Let's going. Let's have like a random guy with blades coming out of his arms, uh, and throw him against this guy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and there's one character in this book. He's his name is uh, Major Legit, <laughs> it, or Legit, depending on how you read. It's Legit. I'm re- I'm calling him Legit. <laughs> He's totally Legit. <laughs> And basically, he's generally legit. He's <laughs> he will be eventually. <laughs> Give it time. Yeah, once he gets promoted to general <laughs> legit. <laughs> but uh, this, uh, our puns are so bad. I apologize. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this guy is like comically like jealous because he wants to be the fucking he wants monster. to be the guy. He, he like th- this is classic. He's like I was the legit one. I should have been the guy. <laughs> and then he goes and tries to fight him in a fucking mech suit because he wants to be the guy. And it's just it's <laughs> stupid. So first I, issue I not very it was funny, not very strong. Thought it was a little silly. Major legit dumb name. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
especially for a jealous like yeah guy <laughs> i'm legit <laughs> i'm a major <laughs> but even with all my seniority and experience i wanted to be the weapon <laughs> 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 i wanted to be the guy who gets deformed and fucks everything up and kills everybody yeah <laughs> but only for an hour <laughs> so i don't know i think they're setting up a hulk abomination type thing we'll see that's what it seems like to me it seems like the the guy that becomes abomination yeah uh next up i think we both read ice cream man from image number one this one uh from maxwell prince and martin morazzo uh what did you think of it uh, <laughs> I, I found a very quick analogy to a f- famous horror writer almost <laughs> immediately. <laughs> I mean, it fits. Uh, just just lay it on him. Uh, if, f- for me, it seemed like one of the book ideas that Stephen King wrote, and then because he never writes a second draft, <laughs> <laughs> just went and published. <laughs> Which is not to say it's a bad book, but it's just like all over the place. It is, and I, I gotta say there is definitely a Stephen King quality to it. Yeah, it it reeks of Stephen King to me. <laughs> I don't know. We all eat the cone down here, Chucky. Yeah, <laughs> it uh, it was fine. <laughs> I probably won't pick up the second issue, but it was fine. Uh, yeah. Now, if you're a fan of Stephen King, you'll probably love it. I'm not a big fan of Stephen King. Me, personally, I find his stuff a little corny and not like, I don't know. I don't yeah, find his stuff, to get into. I don't find his stuff actually scary. That's the biggest thing for me. I don't know. Right. It's supposed to be scary, but none of it scares me. Right. I'm this, like, that's just goofy. This is the <laughs> like, kind I don't of care if this fucking car is haunted. Yeah. Why? Why should I give a fuck? <laughs> like I can walk into the wood line and it won't be able to get me. <laughs> it, this is the kind of book that I think uh, would definitely appeal to, like uh, preteens. Uh, what I like to call the uh, the goosebumps crowd. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, it definitely seems like the thing where. It's not for the group that would actually, like, obviously think anyone should be able to kill this thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, another book I read is Days of Hate. I also read this book. Um, chapter one, one of 12. Uh, chapter one being subtitled America First. <laughs> and you can probably guess what it's about. <laughs> it, apparently, this is a few years in the future. And apparently, because of the election and then Trump and all these terrible things that the Nazis have taken over, and One now everybody's a white supremacist, and now there's concentration camps for everybody who isn't, and now there's terrorists that basically bomb the white supremacists and kill Nazis in their in their bars and stuff, and it's it's so all over the place. It, it, it definitely seems, paints groups in like broad and sweeping strokes. Yeah, it seems it, it seems like a paranoid, like ultra, ultra, ultra over the top progressive person's like wet dream of like a post apocalyptic nightmare after Trump or something. It, yeah, it just seems that's almost exactly what this uh, reads like. Yeah, and I'm a pretty liberal guy. Uh, I think you are too. Uh, but this is just like. <laughs> I was just like, 
Uh, my eyes were rolling so hard when I was reading this. I was like, oh my god, really? Like, have my eyes spun around yet? The the they're just all the way in the back of my head. Yeah, <laughs> which sucks because the actual character, the two main characters, uh, these two women who were previously married and then divorced after a miscarriage thing or whatever, like which that, somehow happened during this that, civil war. That that is an interesting golden nugget in the middle of this garbage heap of a story. Yeah, that was actually interesting, and I yeah. wish the story would have focused on that instead yes. of all the nonsense around it. So Yeah, that that is what they they needed to do. Like I can understand world building, mm-hmm. but it if your world building is done in a way like specifically constructed to uh one, make it very clear where you stand politically, mm-hmm. and two, make it very clear where you think the world's going to go if we keep going down the route that you don't like. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's very, uh, what's the word? The concept of making a comic book should be to make a story that appeals to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. And this seems like it's only marketing to a very specific group of people, and I, there, there's something about that that just it rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, next up, I picked up a few of the issues Trinity number seventeen variant where he's punching a fucking dinosaur. <laughs> if you watched last week's episode, this was our bonus cover of the week because we we usually have two, but I couldn't pass this one up because it's so ridiculous and awesome. Um, uh, I want to say it was Yannick Paquette who made this one. I might be wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Yannick Paquette, though. Uh, yes, yeah, spoiler alert uh, for that bonus one. The content definitely matches the drapes. Wow. <laughs> was it a standalone story? I haven't read it. Uh, it actually is the beginning of a new story. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I can read it then. Yeah. So, it does uh, match the drapes. Oh, yeah. It's Emery's seal of approval. Oh, yeah. All like, right. <laughs> it, it does some things that... Uh, didn't think that they were going to do with the story given like the, what what happens on the cover is very true to what happens on the inside <laughs> <laughs> i mean it is it is wild let me tell you and wild being probably the best operative word i could use for this book <laughs> so uh i guess we'll give a shout out to james robinson and artist patch zercher who have written Trinity number 17. So the content didn't match the drapes for Trinity. Next up. Woo! Uh, it's always nice to hear, especially from the mainline books. Oh, yeah. Uh, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. I'm pretty sure this one's also Yannick Paquette. If not, I'll write it on here. Um, and this one. Uh, did you read this one? I did. Uh, was it a standalone or was it part of an arc? Um, I think this is. Uh the beginning of a story in this case mm-hmm. uh, I will say that the the story itself didn't really grab me all that much like I can't even remember half of what happens and I'm not sure how much of that has to do with the costume design for Batgirl that still has my eyes rolling all the way in the back of it my head. Sucks. I just, it <laughs> it sucks. It. I know it made a big move when it first came out because it was something new, but it just it doesn't look good. It, no. It, Especially when you don't have that first artist with that cartoony style. It, it only looks good in that cartoony style. It doesn't look good 
if you're like trying, you're trying to take to, it serious, yeah, yeah it just it doesn't translate. Um, so that one does not get the content match to drape seal of approval. And then next up, Aquaman number thirty-two. Um, I want to say this one was. Damn, I should have. I'm an idiot. I should have wrote this stuff down. Oh, I can go to our website. Hey. www.htbvids.com and find out. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta if you want to see our covers of the week, you can either click on the menu or you can go to htbvids.com uh, forward slash the year, and then based on that year, you can see all the covers of the year uh, pop up right away, and you don't even have to navigate the menu. So htbvids forward slash dot com, or excuse me, forward slash twenty eighteen. Uh, this one was oh, okay. Glad I looked it up. It was by Joshua Middleton. And the other ones were by Yannick Paquette. So. Yeah. Um, this one, I haven't read it because I'm not sure if it's part of a story arc or not. I think you read it, right? I think it's in the middle of a story. Okay. Uh, so we won't give our rating for this because it's in the middle of the story. Uh, and you probably need context. But I was very disappointed when I went to pick this up. This is not Joshua Middleton's fault. The problem is it looks like the color was super oversaturated when they printed this. Like, even the, the Aquaman label doesn't look like the preview at all or look like the other books. It looks like super dark, like, uh, ink. Like, they just oversaturated all the ink content. Yeah, they, they, they left the ink on there too much. And then there's issues with the, the actual construction. If you look on the binding, the ad is bleeding into the cover because they... Somehow, I don't, maybe they printed it too long, or there was a problem with the print press, or um, they just stapled them improperly in the machine, but the ad is bleeding into the front cover because the ad is extended all the way around the, the actual spine and into the front. So yeah, That's definitely the, the printing company's issue at that, this point, yeah. which is unfortunate because I really like that cover. Yeah, so that was pretty disappointing to see. Um, Although, ironically, th- how saturated the colors were on there, and like because of that, it gives the the front cover like a weird like bend to it. <laughs> Specifically, the kind of bend it's like that aqua make, distortion. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks like someone like got it wet. Yeah, ironically, <laughs> Mary gets me wet. Oh yeah, <laughs> but um. I will say this again, haven't read it, no context. Emery read it, but uh, we're not going to rate it based on context. I can say the illustration inside looks excellent. It, it does. So, it, like the illustration pops. Uh, the story, uh, this is the, the kind of Aquaman that you either love this kind of Aquaman or you're bored to death with this kind of Aquaman. This is Game of Thrones style court intrigue trying to like manage uh allies and whatnot aquaman that's disappointing because i i for me personally that's like the least interesting part of aquaman usually this one could prove me wrong i could pick it up i've heard a lot of good reviews about this run of aquaman so a shout out to ricardo federici the artist on the inside because the art looks great um and uh uh, Dab Abnet is the one working on the story right now, so I'm gonna get. I'm actually gonna go back and get caught up on this one just because uh, it looks the art looks amazing and th- this like kind of court intrigue actually looks like it might work. 
just based on the panels I'm seeing. So I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it an honest chance. But, yeah, super disappointing for the cover on number 32, which was one of our favorite covers that we've had in a long time. But it just, the way they printed it, just something went wrong. Um, And that's not Joshua Middleton's fault at all. So uh, just talk about that. Now for the big one that we both read, um, because it was an independent story. Uh, Nightwing number 37. As you know, I'm a big Nightwing guy, hence the shirt. <laughs> um, yeah. The cover is awesome. It looks even better in person than we thought. It does. So extra shout out to Jorge Jimenez because this cover looks fucking baller. That, 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 that pops. It's amazing. And half of the artwork on the inside is great. Only half. And half of the story is serviceable because it doesn't really do much only half the other half of the artwork and the other half of the story which is flashbacks is awful (laughs) (laughs) it's so bad (laughs) it it was so bad that it made me start to suspect that jeff johns is establishing an elaborate scheme to make (laughs) nightwing shit again (laughs) so that he can kill him off without anybody crying about it it was like he how dare you he, he found a way to make you hate nightwing so um the main story uh and the main art that is okay um let me find the credits page because they can never consistently put the credits page. Uh, Sam Humphreys is the modern writer. Klaus Janssen is the flashback writer. Jamal Campbell is the present artist. And Alex Sinclair was the flashback artist. So the flashback story is so bad and so goofy <laughs> and so terrible. The dialogue's bad and like th- they have three characters that are just so ridiculous. <laughs> And they they spend the whole comic criticizing these criminals that are trying to prevent their casinos from opening. I don't know if you're familiar with the history of the casino. (laughs) (laughs) But that seems kind of antithetical. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute. Hold on. We see a character. I'm pretty sure all these characters are new and made up. We see a character called uh, Baby Ruthless. Baby being a play on uh, Babe Ruth, I'm guessing, because she uses a baseball bat. She's the most American. (laughs) Who is uh, this casino-owning woman who fights crime in star-spangled pants, (laughs) leggings, a halter top, and a baseball hat, and a baseball. Thanks, Uh, guys. this is what we wanted for our that was goofy and then there's this moment in the book again terror not good art not good art i mean it's i i hate saying this but it's just it's really bad where i I, want to believe that this is this person's first time robin is being a bitch and hiding in a tree like a 10 year old bitching about how he fucked up which he didn't really fuck up yeah the fuck up was not a fuck up the guy just got away uh, yeah nobody died nothing got hurt it was like the guy just kind of jumped ship and his fuck up was one of the possible outcomes of fighting crime sometimes things just don't go your way and so he's in this fucking huge tree like this tree is like the size (laughs) of a fucking skyscraper because batman who is like six foot four like 200 300 pounds of just pure muscle is standing on the end 
of the branch and the trunk is still like three times thicker than he is Uh, (laughs) and robin meanwhile standing on the other side and it looks like they're standing at two ends of the grand canyon on this fucking tree that's just in the middle of the park a why did he go hide in a tree in the first place because he's a bird (laughs) b oh yeah they also had to make sure to show the robin eggs in the tree (sighs) in the first panel of the tree (laughs) so all of that was just terrible and then at the the two characters at the end is uh king sturgeon (laughs) who is a shark-headed mobster guy right and his son the guppy <laughs> That's his mantra, the guppy. And the final scene. This is not a spoiler because it's so s- fucking stupid. <laughs> the end scene is the guppy mourning over King uh, Sturgeon. Sturgeon. Thank you. <laughs> on his deathbed, as he has like a tube in his throat, and he's in a hospital bed, and the crying shark-headed guppy. <laughs> It was so stupid. I, I expected that level of stupidity from the Aquaman book, not <laughs> not the Nightwing book. So um, yeah, it was like, do we really just focus on an aquatic based villain, or what should have been yeah. an aquatic based villain for Nightwing? So I think both the art and the story faults are both lie specifically in the flashback people. Also, where the hell is Bloodhaven that they have trees that big? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I thought Bloodhaven was like somewhere in the Midwest or something. That's what I would have assumed. But yeah. So, uh, Trinity, Match the Drapes, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Not bad, but not particularly memorable. And the Batgirl costume looks terrible when you're trying to do it in a non-cartoony fashion. Yeah. Uh, Aquaman, not giving the final rating yet uh, until we catch up on the story arc but it looks great illustration looks great it looks like the dialogue looks good it it's like court intrigue you know game yeah. of thrones level uh nonsense not and i don't like game of thrones spoiler alert but um i do Th- this if one might do it if, right for you if the book isn't about incestuous rape Ugh. for half the book then God i'll then, it. then i'll probably like it <laughs> uh and then nightwing is just awful i hate saying that because i love nightwing and i love this cover so much the content did not match the drapes for nightwing number 37 oh. and it it literally discouraged me from catching up on nightwing oh. which i've been avoiding because i didn't like what they did with convergence after they brought like six different Nightwings together, and you know, the Titans Nightwing and the Grayson Nightwing, and then it, it hurts. So, uh, and then the other book, as we talked about, Sacred Creatures number one, um, which is just me catching up on old stuff, but it, it was really good, really good. And you read in one other book, right? I did. I actually read Phoenix Resurrection issue two. And honestly, I got to say that uh, not a lot happened in that book. That book seemed like maybe 80% set up, uh, 20% actually moving the plot along. And just... uh, Did we get any more uh, people coming back from the grave again? Did it actually focus on Phoenix this time? That's what I'll say. <laughs> your criticism with the first issue was that it completely ignored Phoenix until the end. Right. Right. Uh, this one, 
actually talks about Phoenix a lot, but it does it in like the X-Men that know that the Phoenix are coming. They're all doing this in third person. And there's an encounter with Magneto. And by Magneto, I mean old school, like red and purple Magneto. All right. Not the more current. (laughs) Really bringing it back, guys. Not the black and white Magneto. Yeah, which I got to say, that was a bold choice. I didn't hate it. But there's something about a red and purple Magneto that just seems like, oh, there you've been all this time. (laughs) Um, This one. Hello, old friend. (laughs) God, I feel like Professor X. Um, He, and this was the weird thing about it. um, Spoiler, 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 spoiler. For some reason, in the middle of a fight, he has dialogue that makes it sound like he's ordering a drink. Specifically because there's another one of him somewhere actually ordering a drink. (laughs) Can we stop just putting the same versions of the same hero and villain in the same universe? Uh, Please. But uh, here's the thing. They're, They're doing this weird thing where it's like, oh, they attack it. And then it disappears. So what are they going to do with Logan and Old Man Logan? The next 23 Logan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, they're going to uh, mash them Make all together. Make them all kiss. Oh. No, kiss. No. They already did that with Hawkeye and Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever want to see that again. Uh, Ugh. So. Uh, did you like it? Bottom line, uh, it, I, I'd say it, it was a mediocre, like serviceable story. You gonna pick up the third issue? I feel like I have to just to see if um, I'm relying you completely to yeah tell me what's going on. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna pick it up just to see if the story keeps going down the. And there's still are we st- or are we not going to actually bring these characters yeah. back? And there's still that Stephanie Hans cover that we gave the cover of the week. A few weeks ago, right. that I'm still trying to find. I promise <laughs> you, I want to buy it because I like the artwork. I just can't find it. Yeah, so, still looking for it. It sold out pretty quick. So, uh, now <laughs> let's get into the news. Ah. First up, Action Comics number one thousand will feature a new redesign for Superman, uh, featuring a modern look, the modern look, I should say, but with the red underwear. Okay. Because what we understood was people want the old one, but new. <laughs> Wait and, a minute. <laughs> and uh, Jim Lee made the new cover design. So, Of course he did, because he's DC's darling. Wait, for good reason. I'm not the biggest Superman guy. I, like, I love Superman, but I'm not the biggest Superman guy. Um, so I didn't care when he had blue pants. I thought it made him more relatable and likable. And more, like, oh, it's just pants. I was like, okay, kids will he's actually sw- like him now because he's not this goofy fucking red underwear. <laughs> um, he's not the underpants on the outside. But apparently, I was wrong because the Superman fanboys got all pissed <laughs> because the new Fifty Two Superman wasn't just a Boy Scout in every single comic. He actually was angry sometimes and disappointing sometimes, and sometimes he fell short. But apparently, that's not the Superman we love. We want the Christopher Reeves, red, tight underwear, uh, goody two-shoes, boy of steel. Are, are we going to go the Grant Morrison route and say those are Kryptonian overpants? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, 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 I will I will laugh. I love myself to I love sleep. Grant Morrison because he's so crazy. <laughs> but oh, he's nuts. He's on so many drugs, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he just makes up the goofiest fucking shit. Oh, in oh, the world. His, his run you, of X Men was laughable. If you, if you could read a clause. <laughs> his fucking badass, almost barbarian Santa Claus. Oh yeah, this dude is so fucking high, <laughs> <laughs> and it's good. It's good. It's good to have something different. Grant Morrison, keep doing drugs. Although I hated Batman Inc. That fuck that bullshit. Batman Inc. sucks. Both <laughs> both the original and the new Fifty Two one. <laughs> we don't need that many fucking bat people. In fact, we need less. I'd appreciate it if you just killed everybody who wasn't the original three Robins. Maybe Damien. Damien can stay, I guess. <laughs> Damien's kind of earned his spot at this Barbara point. Gordon Batgirl. I think that's enough. I think that's more than enough. I don't think we need Batwing. I don't think we need the signal. Uh, I don't think we need well, all the Batman Inc. bullshit people. What about Batwoman? Okay, she can stay. <laughs> but that's only because she's a fucking badass and she has cool covers. She's a gun user. <laughs> <laughs> um... In fact, I wouldn't be that angry if they just let Jason Todd be dead again. <laughs> That's just me. I know I know people love Red Hood. And I know I'm completely in the minority there. I liked him better dead. You you could have started an internet fire with that fucking comment <laughs> of yours. I thought bringing him back was dumb because it took the dynamic structure of Batman Morning over a lost Robin and threw it in the toilet and flushed it. Oh no, he's still mourning because that's, comic books. That's not that's not Jason Todd. That's some asshole who came back from the dead. It's not the same. He's the same. He's totally the same. <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Congrats, uh, Superman fanboys! You are getting the red underpants that you so desired, which I don't think was a big deal in the first place. But okay. Of all things about Superman, it's his underwear we care about. Uh, next up, comic writer Kelly Thompson has just signed an exclusivity deal with Marvel Comics and has been extended on several projects. She is currently working on the run of Hawkeye featuring Kate Bishop and the Rogue and Gambit comic, which you liked. Um, Neither of us liked that the Comics of the Week Hawkeye issue because the dialogue was way bad. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> it it's way too... You and like Rogan Gambit, though, right? Yeah, Rogan Gambit is... She's also writing that, so... Right, and here's the thing. I've seen the movie Couples Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's basically what the, the a large chunk of that book is. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll wait till issue two to see the direction that it really goes from there. But I, I do have to say that what she's done with Hawkeye... Specifically with the Hawkeye and Hawkeye, um, it's literally in love with itself. Ironically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a little silly. Like, a book that's in love with itself features two people who go by the same title character name making out with each other. Yeah. Again, what? I'm not, the, I'm not the big, like, Marvel guy, so that's Emery's job, but... It didn't bother me that much. I just thought it was goofy. I was like, okay, this is kind of silly and, you know, throw away. Like, okay, I'll forget this tomorrow. Uh, okay, he- here's what that was for me, kind of, in a uh, minor metaphor. Have you seen or at least heard about uh, the 
uh, the adaptation for the uh, the Killing Joke. Yeah. The animated version of that. Yeah. Where bad girl fucks Batman for no good reason. Uh, yeah. So that's what we're going with. That 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 <laughs> that is the vibe that I got specifically from that cover. I haven't just like cringeworthy. I I haven't read that issue, but it just seems like if that is even a possibility inside the actual book, I don't want to read it. It just feels incestuous because he like trained her, right? Am I wrong? He like taught her how to do all that stuff, uh, and it, she's like significantly younger than him. It manages to feel both incestuous because, yes, that what uh, I'm not sure if that was the case or if she just kind of picked it up while he was gone. Okay. But, uh, in either case, it feels both incestuous and masturbatory. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. <laughs> because this is Hawkeye. The, like the the idea that you're going to get from this is at what point does Hawkeye get Hawkeye off? <laughs> 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 it's like no. Stop. Which Hawkeye comes first? Spoiler ah! alert. Hawkeye. <laughs> These are not questions that I should have reading a comic book. <laughs> or even right. thinking about purchasing your comic book. It yeah. Just, yeah. It, this was not the way to go. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Next up, uh, the Diamond Awards occurred. If you're not familiar, Diamond uh, Publishing. Or, excuse me, Diamond Distribution, Comics Distribution. Uh, it's yours, by the way. Yeah. Um, Diamond? They, they're they responsible for getting all the physical print issues, or at least the vast majority of them, to your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shops. And digital devices. Uh, and every year they have awards for their favorite comics and this and that. And DC pretty much cleaned house. So take that as you will. I looked at some of the nominees, like uh, some of them, I was just like, really? That was your pick for best comic of the year? <laughs> so maybe it's because they don't publish everything, but a few of them, I was just like, really? It's like Batman number 27, I think, and stuff like that. Not that they were bad, but it's just like, that's the best one? Really? Did you guys read Batman White Knight? So Or Mr. Miracle? What the? How? So I don't know. So <sighs> okay. if you want to look that up, go ahead and look it up. There's a big list of them, and they... They like awarded statues and stuff. I'm not going to read them all because there's just a lot. Next up on the news, uh, Seamus, I think it's Deaver, spelled D-V-E-R, uh, who is famous for his work on Castle, has been signed to the upcoming show Titans as a currently unknown character. Seamus Deaver. Yeah. Not familiar. Now, I have my suspicions. Uh, let me show you a picture of him. I think he looks like a rich billionaire personality from the DC Universe. Uh, which one? Because if the Arrowverse has taught me anything, you, 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 those are a dime a dozen at this point. <laughs> this is him. <laughs> <laughs> Batman. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I, I could be completely wrong, could play someone else, but to me, he looks like Batman. Tall, dark, handsome, bright blue eyes. Is he tall? Everybody in Hollywood's tall. I have no idea. <laughs> it's all about camera angles. Yeah. Um but yeah, he looks like a Bruce Wayne to me, so I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up to mentor somebody or something or put Robin in check during a 
flashback scene or something. Yeah. Oh, no, he he's not that tall. No. He's like your height. 5'11"? Oh, he's 5'10". Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Angles. Uh, Platform shoes. Yeah, I am now retracting my suspicion that he's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> now, With I, that being said, Michael Keaton pulled that off. Yeah, but I feel like he's probably Bruce Wayne. Probably. He's probably going to fight with Robin, uh, you know, leading to explaining how he became Nightwing in the first episode or something. <laughs> like, Fuck I, you, Dad. <laughs> no, you're going to stay in here and you're going to be Robin. I don't and need you're your gonna trust do it fund. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to go play on the trapeze. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to swing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I do what I want. If you're a Castle fan, look forward to seeing him on the Titan show or not because they're putting it on their fucking exclusive digital streaming app for DC digital uh. streaming. <laughs> it sucks because there's so much going right with the show and they're just killing their app. They're killing it with the stupid exclusive digital app. Yeah. I don't know what they're thinking. God. Next up, uh, Black Lightning, the CW television show, has debuted. Uh, it's getting good reviews. I haven't watched it. Have you watched it? I have not watched I it. I am like three seasons behind on Flash, and <laughs> I I haven't liked Arrow since the beginning, so I haven't watched that. And then I didn't. I wasn't a big fan of DC's Legends of Tomorrow, but uh, apparently got pretty good ratings for its initial episode. Um, it's a little misleading because the article I said, oh the the highest ratings that the CW DC Universe has received in two years. And then you look at what the last one was. The last debut <laughs> that outranked it was DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which has been the most recent debut series. Right. So it's not, they're literally right. saying, I, I was going to say, this one, <laughs> this one premiered to less than the last one, but still a lot. <laughs> I, I was going to say, what about uh, Supergirl? But then I thought, oh, wait. Yeah, that didn't start, on, yeah, that didn't start on the CW. So It's continuing there, but it didn't start there. It was like political stat finding oh. where you kind of use the stats that exist to torque the reality and yeah. give it the impression of something better than it is. Yeah, we're, we're going to spin it with it felt, the narrative that we want. Yeah, it felt very politician-y. Oh. Um, Guys, we we do not need to live in the age of spin. Just I, be honest. I like the I like the character that of what Black Lightning is. I hate that they have to call him Black Lightning. Couldn't I, they just will, call him Lightning? I will hate that name always and forever. And based on what I've saw <sighs> of the previews, I really hated the costume design. I think the costume looks goofy as fuck. The thing that kills me, but about it's on CDW, so they can probably get away with it. But right, this this is a, a television budget costume that looks like they're really trying to hide the fact that we have LEDs in this fucking thing. Yeah, it, to me, it looks like something Snyder would do. <laughs> it's like super blinged out with glowing CG and just like lights and all this bullshit like all over it. I'm like, can't you just give him a normal costume? It worked great for the Flash and for the Arrow. Right. Can't we just have a normal costume? Right. It, it, you made him so goofy and gaudy. Uh, you, and I like, don't. you made him a bright, shining human target. Yeah. And you wonder why the first episode is about him 
basically quitting being Black Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you gotta keep quit doing this. I don't know why they they just they keep hitting me. It's like <laughs> I take them down, but I take so many hits. So did you see it? Uh, no, I did not. Okay, I just well, I want to. I just want to put this out there. I'm going to watch it eventually. Is just probably not right now. Yeah. So if you were looking forward to that, I hope you liked it. Reviews are good, so apparently the writing's good. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see. I just think that I wish they would just update the name to the 21st century. Just please? call him Lightning, <laughs> please, yeah. and maybe change his costume because his costume looks ridiculous. Um. There are plenty of ways to do a lightning motif and not have him literally glow in the dark. Yeah. This next one I think you'll be happy about. Amazon has renewed Tick for season two. <laughs> and uh, has announced that it will deba- debut in 2019 and will feature 10 more episodes of The Tick. So The Tick, if you're not familiar, is a reboot of the Fox Tick <laughs> that used to be on TV and then the cartoon show and then the comics. So, which is basically like a you know comical superhero oh it's the the spoof to end all superhero spoofs yeah it's great i love it i i I'm pretty loved, sure you feel the same way oh yeah i i have loved this concept since day fucking one. <laughs> oh my god so if you're a tick fan look forward to that next up john knee has been hired as the new publisher for marvel comics following the promotion of dan buckley to the president of marvel entertainment his resume includes being dc comics vice president and president of wildstorm yeah grifter yeah uh, before its sale to dc comics so if you care about that sort of logistical stuff johnny is your new guy at marvel uh next up Tom King, this one's pretty cool. Mm. Tom King has announced uh, a new upcoming project called Sanctuary. It will be a hero comic based on uh, the PTSD he witnessed among soldiers during his uh, CIA career. Uh, For those of you unfamiliar with Tom King, he has a career in CIA operations or whatever. Don't know to what extent. He could have been a paper pusher or he could have been a full-blown operative. Who knows? But he was around this stuff, so... I'll give him that much credit. Again, I was a veteran too, so I'm pretty familiar with this sort of concept. And I'm a big fan of Tom King because I think he does it appropriately. So I would guess he was some sort of operative at some level. Um, The comic will feature a program from the Trinity, which provides a support system for uh, superheroes with PTSD and field trauma. King has hinted it will be directly connected to a, quote, crisis uh-huh and he emphasized the word crisis so of course he did there's a lot of rumors going around that there's going to be another big event uh coming up because of course there is and it seems like they're doing a modern interpretation of crisis on infinite earth if i had to guess you know and it, it looks <laughs> like it looks like instead of jeff johns or scott snyder this time around for the big event it's going to be tom king taking up the reins which is deserved because he's been writing outstanding oh, stuff. Oh yeah, he fucking earned this one. You know, Grayson was great. A great book. Hated the premise. Again, I always say this. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> advertising campaign. You don't know Dick, where he's holding a pistol to the. <laughs> ah! It's just the wrong. It was the wrong character to use, but oh, it, yeah. it was a good book. And then uh, Mr. Miracle, obviously, great, great book. Um, a lot of people have been applauding his work on uh, Batman recently. Yeah. Uh, once Scott Scott Snyder took off uh, on one of the titles. So, 
yeah, there's just there's a whole lot of great stuff coming from Tom King, and I'm super. I think I, personally, I feel like he's probably the best writer at DC right now, and that's saying something because he's got got Snyder right next to him. He's got uh, Sean Gordon Mur- Murphy right next to him. Oh yeah, you know, there's a lot of great writing. Uh, Jeff Lemire and uh, Kyle Higgins. You know, there's a lot of great writers. Uh, unfortunately, they don't have uh, Gail Simone there anymore. Oh, but. <laughs> Because Mar- she wants to do a Marvel comic, uh, Domino. But <laughs> um, there was if anyone could DC, bring something to that, it would be Gail yeah. Simone. And e- even for Marvel fans, you know, Brian Michael Bendis is there now too. So oh yeah, he's got a lot of competition, and I, for me, he stands out among all of them. And this, I think, this concept is really great. Again, I was an infantryman in the army, uh, active duty infantryman for you know f- four years almost, and um, the way they talk, the way. Uh, they, we operate the way we, you know, the people I integrated with, the stories I heard from fellow soldiers and stuff like that, you know, um, it, everything he writes is very consistent with that pattern when it comes to military stuff and operations and stuff. So, uh, he, he writes sabotage really well, which makes sense with his CIA background. Again, I don't know what, to what extent <laughs> he was in the system. He could have been anything from, you know, secretary a to full blown, you know, in the field operated you know at the highest level i don't know but um yeah i i I like the fact that there's a little bit of mystique about that like we we have no idea what role that he played Mm -hmm. but he apparently writes from a lot of experience yeah so uh from from what he was saying in the interview about it uh i think you can go to comicbookresource.com for that interview he was uh basically alluding that you know Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman feel like responsibility for the newer heroes, the younger heroes, and want to help th- guide them and help them out if after they experience a traumatic event like a crisis. Um, right. And that's going to be his working premise from the book. He hasn't written anything. There's no launch date or anything. He's just He was pitching the title yeah as he pitched it to dc before he started working on it so look forward to that i'm really excited for it i think it's a great idea see uh uh, there is actually a particular crisis that uh was done very well by really good writer brad Meltzer. um you might have heard of it identity crisis yeah that was another great one yeah zatanna Uh, that oh. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, th- that entire thing actually made me want to read, like, the other Crisis books, like uh, Final Crisis, Crisis mm-hmm. on Infinite Earths, and yeah. all that. Yeah. Those weren't as good, in my opinion. I agree. As uh, Identity Crisis. Yeah. But if it's going to involve any kind of crisis, I want it to be something like that, where it's just, like, out of nowhere, the actual villain is... The Adam's wife? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I want something like that, whereas, like, I never see it coming. Yeah. So, look forward to that. Great premise. Um, again, I love Tom King, and he's doing great work. And I I hope he, it, he, he stays with it, because he's been awesome. And oh, yeah. He doesn't work himself dry. You know, some writers do that, where they write a few books, they get really popular, then they just spread themselves too thin, and then they just their work starts to degrade over time. Hey, artists, yeah. too. Uh, artists have that happen to them all the time, where they get really popular for certain works of art, and then they get spread too thin, trying to do too many things for too many people at once, and then 
it starts to degrade and yeah you get like delays everything and, starts to suffer as a result of yeah. taking on too much and it's inevitable it happens to everybody it's just a matter of overcoming it when it happens you know right and making sure you don't fall out of phase and you know yeah out of touch in some cases maybe enlisting some help yeah uh next up shazam has been confirmed for release April fifth, twenty nineteen. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> is this just the... restart the universe, please? Is, is you, it... you don't get new actors, get new cast if you have to. I don't care. Get new writers. Stop. It, is this the one that famously isn't going to have Black Adam in it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, because we're good saving luck, guys. Black Adam for some other movie. Good Probably luck. Suicide yeah. Squad 2, apparently. <laughs> Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Whoever's in charge of DCEU WB products right now, go fuck yourselves. Eat a dick. Your sales are going to continue to decline and decline and decline because these movies get progressively worse. And I, Wonder Woman being the one standout. And even that movie had some issues at the third act that, you know, was, was very reminiscent of the rest of the universe. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> you, you fucked up the end. Everything else was great. Why did you do that? <laughs> you guys had like a really good idea. And then you deceit it. <laughs> so um, we know you can make great movies. There's no reason. Yeah. No reason for it, this to continue. It, Just it, stop. Ben Affleck wants out. Gal Gadot wants out. <laughs> Henry Cavill doesn't even give a shit and won't shave his mustache. He wants out. <laughs> Just let him go. Restart. <laughs> restart. Uh, it's, here, here's how we restart. This is how we restart everything. Don't say Flashpoint. I'm going to say Flashpoint. Because I don't want Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller sucks. He's Woody Allen, not Barry Allen. Uh, Fuck him. Uh, okay. <laughs> See, here's the thing. Uh, we, we need... Basically, a flashpoint in which we change the Flash. And here's the thing: there's only two characters in the current DC universe I would keep. That's Aquaman and Cyborg. Hilariously, <laughs> you wouldn't think it, but right. they're the two I like. Yeah, everybody else can go fuck off. Yeah, I, I like Wonder Woman; she's fine. <laughs> I just don't like what they did with the plot at the end of the movie. Right. Uh, the the biggest fucking issue here is that the writing is shit. It's really it, bad. If the writing was actually fucking serviceable, we probably would have had a good Justice League. A Justice League that wasn't fucking super rushed or needed. And, and Justice League, again, in- we beat it up all the time. Yeah. It wasn't as bad plot-wise as Man of Steel or BVS. I think BVS is probably the worst of the bunch. I haven't seen Suicide Squad because it's an Academy Award-winning movie. And I haven't gotten around to using your Christmas <laughs> gift yet. <laughs> You're going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, BBS was the worst of the bunch. And Man of Steel was a close second. And then Justice League was like, it was fine. It was not It was not good by any stretch of the imagination. It was probably bad by normal movie standards. But by DCEU standards, it was fine. <laughs> when you have the one character who actually fucking belongs here... Give the most sad and sullen booyah that I have ever heard in my fucking life. <laughs> you need to stop. You like your flaccid booyah? <laughs> booyah. <laughs> uh, so. He couldn't get it up. <laughs> he couldn't get up the booyah. <laughs> it hurts. 
Uh, and our final <sighs> news item, Teen Titans Go! has a movie coming out July 27th, 2018, and I know this is your guilty pleasure, so why don't you talk about your excitement? I don't. I haven't watched it, so I don't know. Uh, first of all, let's make a correction here. I feel no guilt about being pleasured by this show oh. at all. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, yeah. Uh, second, I, I would love to, and I will support this movie so that I can go from a flaccid booyah <laughs> to a fully erect <laughs> booyah, en- baby. Engaged, engaged in booyah. That is what I want. That is what... I'm not going to say cyborg is booyah, but booyah doesn't mean shit without cyborg doing it. <laughs> I mean, ooh. <laughs> uh, Carrie Payton, I appreciate that you've been putting in time playing King Zeke at The Walking Dead, but uh, we got to bring you back for cyborg. <laughs> you, you just, when, you're too good. Now you're a little older. But you'll be okay. No, he still got it. He still got it. <laughs> you think you can pull off teenage cyborg? <laughs> He's been doing it for the last four fucking years. In live action? Uh, n- not in live action. No, this is this is I'm all animated. About actual. Oh, and in. He can my st- apologies. He he could still do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't care what anyone says. And that, my friends, is the news. What books are you hitting up this week? Uh, I thought. Well, Emery, I thought you'd never ask. I <laughs> fucked up the second part. <laughs> Fuck this. All right, we're going on. All right, we're, yeah, yeah, let's move on. These are your new releases for January 24th, 2018. Again, every Wednesday at your local comic book shops or on your digital devices of choice. Uh, First up, from DC Comics, we have Action Comics number 996. We have Batgirl number 19. We have Batman Beyond number 16 with a really cool cover. We have Blue Beetle number 17. Hey! Um, Can we have a Booster Gold, please? <laughs> well, Booster Gold's in Action Comics right now, so enjoy. We have Demon Hell is Earth, number three. We have Detective Comics, number 973. We have Doomsday Clock, number three. Let's see if we get some context for everything that's been going on. Uh, we have Gotham City Garage, number eight. Don't buy this comic, it sucks. And it looks like they're fully going exploitative with the cover work because they know their stories shit yeah uh next up we have hal jordan in the green lantern Corps, number 37 uh we have hellblazer number 18 we have justice league of america number 23 not hashtag not my justice league we have looney tunes number <laughs> 241 we have nightwing the new order number six we have raven daughter of darkness number one so she's getting her own book. We have Scooby-Doo Team-Up, number 34. We have Suicide Squad, number 34. We have Teen Titans, number 16. We have The Flash, number 39, celebrating its 700th issue. We have The Rough and Ready Show, number 4. We have Wildstorm, number 11, Ooh. featuring Grifter on the cover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, finally, we have Wonder Woman, number 39, which has a really cool variant. Uh, next up from Marvel Comics we have Avengers number 677 featuring the movie universe Quicksilver it looks like uh, no that is a uh, th- this is a post let's retcon the origin of Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch so they're not mutants but he looks exactly like the Marvel movie one that died. It, it, Spoiler it, alert for a five-year-old movie. 
Uh, it, it's a little different. His costume's purple instead of blue. Oh, excuse and, me. And <laughs> He's still wearing a onesie. Uh, uh, well, yes. But um, for those of you paying closer attention, you'll see on his chest is the super-duper fast-forward symbol. Since really, he's Why? claiming that, I guess. Why? <laughs> okay. Because he's fast. <laughs> uh, okay. I'll take your word for it. Uh, next up, we have Avengers Infinity War Prelude number one. We have Black Panther number 169. Uh. <laughs> what are you, 12? <laughs> Show you my Black Panther. <laughs> next up, we <laughs> this is a really inappropriate. Wait a minute. <laughs> this whole episode has been super inappropriate. I apologize if... Your kids are watching this show this week. Uh, usually we're a little bit more PG. A little bit. Not always, but, you know. Uh, not for kids. Next up, we have Inhumans, Judgment Day, number one. Uh, we have Legion, number one. We have Luke Cage, number 169. <laughs> we have Marvel, two and one, number two. <laughs> <laughs> we have Phoenix Resurrection, n- the return of Jean Grey. I'm a 26 year old man. <laughs> I can't help myself. Uh, we have Star Wars, Poe Dameron, number 23. We have Thanos, number 15. We have The Amazing Spider Man, number 794. We have X Men Blue, number 20. We have X Men Blue Annual, number 1. And that wraps up Marvel Comics. From IDW, we have 30 Days of Night, number two. We have DuckTales, number five. Thanks. (laughs) I was hoping you would catch on. (laughs) Sold it. (laughs) Yeah, did did I stick the landing? Did I stick the landing on that one? Oh, you nailed it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Next up, Gears of War, The Rise of Ram, number one. (laughs) Who I think is the main villain from the first game. I don't know. I'm not an Xbox guy, but I played through it, I think. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Where is> Ram. <laughs> about to get rammed. Oh, shit, boy. Next up, we have Judge Dredd, The Blessed Earth, number eight. We have Kid Lobotomy, number four. We have My Little Pony, Legends of Magic, number ten, for all you bronies out there. Ooh. Speak about inappropriate. <laughs> They do some weird stuff with those ponies, man. Uh, uh, next up, Rom and the Micronauts, number two. We have went st- from Ram to Rom. <laughs> <laughs> we have Star Trek Discovery, number two, based on the new CBS streaming app show. Uh, <laughs> Talk about trying to kill a franchise. Yeah, almost immediately. Yeah. We have the comic book history of comics, comics for all, number two, comics. We have the Transformer. Yeah, the Transformers. Didn't expect that. <laughs> Lost Light, number 13. And that wraps up IDW. From Dynamite Entertainment, we have Agent 47, Birth of Hitman, number 3. Uh, we have Betty Page, number 7, with 6 million variants. We have Red Rising, number 1. We have The Shadow, number 6, with 6 million variants. We have Vampirella, number 10, with 6 million variants. From Image Comics. Woo! Save us, Image. Woo! From Black 
from Black Cloud, oh, excuse me. From Image, we have Black Cloud number seven. We have Black Magic number ten. We have Black Science number thirty-four. A lot of black issues. <laughs> black <laughs> so Cloud, much darkness. Black Magic, Black Science. Is 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 this a black series? Just a series of black. Uh, we have Dissonance number one. We have Gasolina number five. We have Maestros number four. Oh, oh yeah, boy. get hyped. <laughs> we have Manifest Destiny number thirty-three. We have a nice surprise here, Monstrous number thirteen, which inspired my topic for this week. So stay tuned. Oh. Monstrous is which I have I can't even remember the last time a Monstrous book got released. It's been a while, man. <laughs> I don't know if they got delayed. I don't know the story. I could uh, sure I could find it, but I just I don't even know why it's been delayed so long. Uh, next we got Moonstruck number five. We have Postal, number 25. We have Redneck, number 9. We have Regression, number 6. We have Ringside, number 14. We have Sex Criminals, another book I haven't seen too often, uh, number 21, at least recently. I thought it was over. We have Southern Bastards, number 19. And we have Warframe, number 3. Oh, yeah. From Boom Studios, we have a new comic to start off. Abbott, number 1. Uh, we have Go Go Power Rangers number six. See, I like how they have a variant with like Goldhar doing <laughs> like a very uh, Teen Wolf thing. Yeah. We have uh, Lumberjanes number forty-six. We have Steven Universe number twelve. From Dark Horse Comics, we have Department H number twenty-two. We have Empowered and Sister Spooky's High School Hell number two. Yes, Empowered and Sista, S-I-S-T-A-H, Spookies, High School Hell. Number two. Thanks, guys. What are you doing? Uh, Next up, we have Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil, number four. We have Tomb Raider, Survivor's Crusade, number three. We have Vinegar Teeth, number one. We have Zodiac Star Force, Cries of the Fire Prince, number three. <laughs> From Valiant, we have Ninjack, number three. Oh, for real? We have Exo Manowar, number 11. You know, I've never really understood. Is, is it Ninjack or, or Ninja, Ninja K? K? It's spelled Ninja K, but everybody calls him nin- Ninjack. Everybody. You know, it... <sighs> That's always going to be the tricky thing because I, based on how they listed it, it looks like Ninja K. Based on how everyone talks about it, it's Ninjack. Uh, it's guys, just pick one. <laughs> just pick one. <laughs> I say just put go all in. Uh, Ninjack. Th- this is number three. How many variants for like the last? Two issues have they I'm made? I'm telling you, man, it's so hard to read the Valiant stuff because everything's a variant and Ugh. a reprinting of some sort. God. They're struggling over there. I don't know what's going on, man. It sucks because they have cool characters and good stories, but it's just, just not consistent content. Yeah. Uh, from Archie Comics, we have Betty and Veronica Vixens, number three. And we have Jughead, Jughead the Hunger, number three. Or it takes a Jughead's lust for hamburgers and apparently makes it into a horror book. (laughs) That's what it looks like, at least. 
Uh, next up from Titan Books, we have Doctor Who, The Twelfth Doctor Adventures, Year Three, Number Twelve. And we have Torchwood, The Calling, Number Four. From Oni Press, we have Invader Zim, Number Twenty Seven. Aw, shit. Time for the Doom Song. (laughs) And from Vertigo, we have Doom Patrol, number 10. Remember, uh, Vertigo is finally relaunching full bore, so expect a lot of stuff to come from Vertigo in the near future. And another big release we've been looking forward to, Imaginary Fiends, number three. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Get hyped. Get hyped. So good. Uh, from Lion Forge Comics, we have Catalyst Prime Incidentals, number five. From Vault Comics, we have Maxwell's Demons, number four, and Reactor, number four. From Aftershocks Comics, we have Backways, number two. And that is everything coming to your local comic book shops. Please support your local comic book shops. And digital devices this week. Now it's time to hand out the prestigious, nay life-changing, <laughs> award of cover and variant cover of the week. Ooh. Get hyped. Who gets it this time? First up, our cover of the week is awarded to an artist I always have trouble overlooking or denying the cover of the week award when i see her work she's been doing a lot of variants for uh the dark crystal series Mm. the power of the dark crystal or whatever yeah um but now she's returned home Ah. to her best work which is monstrous number 13 from image uh cover by santa takeda who does awesome work i there's not a single issue of this monstrous book that isn't just outstanding from cover to the interior illustration all the way through. Just cover to cover. Santa Takeda's art style is just awesome. It's so unique and so ornate. Oh, it's yeah. It's just very, very, very cool. And, uh, you know, it, it was really hard to den- deny this cover because it's, it's just so neat and it speaks to the, the world that's that exists in the monstrous books. If you... If you haven't been reading the Monstrous books, um, they took a big break. I don't know what was going on, but this is the first issue back in a long time. Uh, starting with a new arc, and it's an oversized issue too. Uh, you might, if you have like uh, Comicsology Unlimited, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's on there. At least the first few issues. Try to read and catch up to this because it it's really good work. Both good writing from uh, Marjorie Liu and uh, the art from Santa Takeda. Um, and if you simply want to support really, really good, you know, female creators in the comic book world, uh, they're they're top choices. You know, behind Gail Simone, I don't think there's anybody other than Santa Takeda that I would support more. Oh yeah, my dream work, Gail Simone book, illustrated by Santa Takeda. Oh, oh yeah. make it happen. Oh yeah, buddy, make it happen. Um, so they receive our prestigious award of cover of the week. Monstrous number 13 from Image Comics by Santa Takeda. Next up, our variant cover of the week goes to <gasps> Booms Abbott, number one variant cover by Michaela Dawn. Ooh. Now, this is a book that we will be able to review. Yes, <laughs> uh, because it's the number one. It's the first issue, which is very convenient. But as you know, variants tend to occur with the first issue. So, yes. it makes sense. Um, 
this cover is really good. It's really eye popping. I think it's gonna stand out on the you know sales rack immediately. Oh yeah, um, it shows the main character. Uh, this book written by Saladin Ahmed and Sammy Kavela. Um, or excuse me, illustrated by Sammy Kavela, and the cover by Michaela Don. The the cover just expresses so much. Like <laughs> we say for a lot of these covers. Yeah. Uh, uh, given uh, the description of this book, uh, it definitely gives off the kind of like a a different kind of approach to a Hellblazer mm-hmm. type story. With a different kind of lead antagonist, but they still keep the the elements of the protagonist that I like. Yeah, it's just like they've been through some shit. They're hard boiled, and they're, from the cover, you can already see this is a person who's not going to take anyone's shit. Yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and just read the description. So, oh yeah, if you want to, you can pick it up and read it with us. If because I have a feeling we're gonna like it. Oh, yeah. Unless the writing is just atrocious or something. Um, We'll see. Hugo Award nominated novelist Saladin Ahmed from Black Bolt and artist Sammy Kavela from Beautiful Canvas present one woman's search for the truth that destroyed her family. Hard nosed chain smoking tabloid reporter Elena Abbott investigates a series of grisly crimes that the police have ignored. Crimes she knows to be the work of dark occult forces. Forces that took her husband away from her. Forces she has sworn to destroy. So, I think it's going to be cool. I'm interested. Hopefully, <coughs> my uh, expectations don't lead to a letdown. And then Monstrous, I already know from prior experience, Monstrous is a great book. Yeah, I'm not fully caught up on it because it's going to be my topic. But oh, yeah. <laughs> They kept taking breaks during that series, and it just I, eventually I'd forget that it even existed, you know, because yeah. I was stuck in a storyline and didn't get any kind of convoluted because of delays and other stuff. So, yeah, um, I guess eventually they did finish the line because obviously they're starting a new arc with number 13. Uh, I think I left off somewhere around like six or seven, somewhere around there. So, a little bit to catch up on. Uh, I'll I'll see if I can catch up on it and give you a uh, did the content match the drapes segment for next week for monstrous. So congratulations once again to Santa Takeda for monstrous number thirteen and Michaela Dawn for the variant of Abbott number one from Boom Studios. And now for our new friends out there, this is the part of the show where we each discuss the topic of our choosing about the world of comic books. Emery, what is your topic? This is a topic that has actually been, no, I probably say this about uh, a lot of topics that I bring up, but this is one that's been uh, brewing in my mind a little bit yeah. for, uh, I think, the, the better part of a couple of years. As you know, Marvel and Marvel Studios have made a name for themselves, a name that, for the most part, has led to, you know, some quality entertainment that you could expect at the movies. But there's something that's been something of a growing concern as time goes on and as the availability becomes more and more apparent to this. Advanced tickets. This is the kind of thing, this is the kind of practice that 
it just reeks of we are drunk off our own success and have no worries at all that this movie is going to do well. Now, I understand that they've earned that, but there's something about the concept, the practice of allowing people to purchase tickets in advance to a movie they haven't seen yet. Now, how how is this any different than pre-orders for a video game or a book or, you know, any other type of content, in, in your opinion? It's not. And I'll tell you why. Uh, it, it is actually the exact same as pre-ordering a game. You are paying for something that you have no frame of reference for or have any experience with as of yet. Like, you are going into that purchase completely trusting that you are going to get a competently made product. And I've done that before. Specifically with the game Final Fantasy XV. If we ever do a video game channel, which I'm not going to say the name of it on there because I don't want anyone to steal it, but... That is a topic that I would totally bring up. The concept of pre-ordering games and basically guaranteeing these companies' money for something that may or may not be worth your money. See, for me, there's one difference, and I don't think it justifies it. I think the whole pre-order culture in general, whether it's for music or books or video games or movies, I think it's all garbage and it shouldn't have... The, the whole reason it exists is so that publishers and distributors can get an idea of how successful it's going to be. Right. And order the appropriate amount or whatever else, you know, to supplement it. Um, which is understandable, but I think it's very predatory. It is um, very predatory. The difference between current movies and, say, a video game is that with a video game, when you pre-order, they usually reward you with something for having your faith in them. They usually give you some kind of usually incentive, or they give you like some of the DLC for free, or you know, they, give they, you some extra hats to put on your character. I don't care. You they, know, they give you something to make your buying it before it's ready for you they're making more palatable yeah they're they're trying to make that idea seem worthwhile to you yeah with movies it you know with a video game you're probably you know at the minimum getting 10 hours of content even if it's not great content you're getting a significant chunk of content half of that if it's the order 1886 (laughs) (laughs) but um it was pretty. <laughs> um, but with a movie, you're getting hour 45 minutes to, you know, two and a half hours with, in the case of like Star Wars of content, short term, one viewership where there's a video game, you can put it back in whenever you want with a book, you can open it up again and whenever you want, you own it CD, you can pop it in your CD player whenever you want and play it again. Um, whereas a movie, the downside, it seems much lower for a pre-order if you go see these movies before the review 
uh, is out and before you get your friends' opinions or whatever else. And then if you do commit to this pre-order, you don't get any extra benefits. You don't get like free popcorn or anything. <laughs> you get nothing. You lose. <laughs> Good day, sir. You know? So it's just... I think it's especially gross and especially predatory. And yeah. again, it's it compl- it's because these companies don't want to pay, you know, polling audiences to right. get an idea of how their movie's going to be received. Instead, they'd rather get the pre-orders to see how how well the sales are going to do based right. on the pre-orders. Specifically in terms of Marvel movies, since bar none, Marvel movies are the hottest, largest, most lucrative in all of movie entertainment right now. Mm-hmm. N- no one makes as much m- money as Marvel Studios. Yep. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. I don't right. agree with this, personally, but I'm going to play devil's advocate. Okay. A lot of these movies that have the kind of pre-order sales are usually the big ticket items, like Star Wars... Marvel movies, you know, DC movies probably in the future. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> um, you know, these kind of big ticket items that they know they're going to sell, you know, the Harry Potter stuff, you know, significant numbers with. Devil's Advocate, most people already know if they're going to see this movie, regardless of whether it's good or bad, because they want to know what happens next in the storyline. Root Star Wars The Last Jedi is a perfect example of this. (laughs) Even if I had known The Last Jedi was bad before seeing it, I probably still would have saw it in theaters just because I want to get my own opinion and see what happened to Luke. And just, you know, I'm not even the biggest Star Wars guy, but. Right. I got to know what happened, you know? Right. And I was You already invested in episode seven. You want to see what happens. And with discussional culture that we have with podcasts and YouTube channels and pop up ads on your Facebook account that (laughs) you think about something and it fucking pops up on your Facebook, you know? (laughs) Google's always watching. (laughs) Fucking creepy, man. (laughs) Not a conspiracy theorist, but damn. (laughs) I'm not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But, um,. You, for the most part, if you're the type of guy that's like, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, I'm going to go see The Last Jedi. I know without a doubt I'm going to see The Last Jedi. Even if everybody and their mother tells me it's bad, I'm going to go see it. Because you know I want to see what happens in this universe, and I want to see why they think it's bad, so I can talk about it. And I don't have to worry about avoiding spoilers for a year before the DVD or Blu-ray comes out, and I can watch it on a cheaper, you know, right. cheaper way or on downloadable content. Or something, you know. And maybe there's some, you know, there's a piracy culture. I think it's hard to avoid. Don't pirate anything. Comic books especially. Oh, uh, yeah, Please yeah, don't yeah. pirate this stuff. Because the creators deserve some compensation for the work they do. Even when it's, you know, even when they stumble. You know, they worked hard on it. And if you consumed right. it, they deserve something for that. Right. That is one thing that I definitely want to discourage. Like, if you are interested in <laughs> some form of entertainment... If you pirate it, you are undercutting the entire purpose for that person creating that content. Um, Every time that you pirate something, you are unfortunately giving them incentive to not make more. So I think that's kind of what happens sometimes, especially for the younger people, like even younger than us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
I think a lot of people just like wait maybe the first day for the review, and then if the review is bad or something, they'll pirate it or something, and you know, on some kind of downloadable stream forum or something. Yeah, the um, X Men watch the shaky Wolverine. cam version. Uh, yeah. You know, X Men Origins Wolverine was probably the most notoriously uh, victimized movie behind the uh, pirating culture. Mm-hmm. And that movie suffered tremendously for that. Now, mind you, regardless of whether or not it was good or bad, it was bad. But uh, if you were going to watch it, they deserved to be compensated for your viewership. That is that is how that works. Um, so there, I think there are properties out there where you just know. And, like, I'm not... If you pre-order a movie ticket or something because you want an exclusive front row seat or something to this <laughs> franchise, even though you don't know if the movie's going to be bad or good or whatever, you know, I, it's, you're not a bad person for doing that or anything. Right. You know, it's like you, th- you know yourself better than we know you. you know? Right. The, the, I think the the crux here is not, you know, where we place the customer in this, but this is about examining. Yeah, like the the practice of this, I and think the culture that's basically resulted from this. Yeah, is like exactly. It, this is this is the kind of practice that makes it so that marketing companies, uh, bigger companies that like do all of their own marketing, Disney. I'm looking at you. Yeah. Um, when they do this more and more often and more and more frequent. This could, in the future, lead to some places not getting that movie, or places like having that movie pulled yeah. because, like, they're not getting the advanced tickets that they were expecting. Yeah, I think, I think it's it feels gross, and it is a predatory practice by businesses, especially in the case of movies, just because you don't get that extra incentive whatsoever. You yeah, know? no, it's like your incentive is to make sure that you. Have a seat, and that you don't miss out. I guess. I guess, yeah. Um, if you're like a premiere type guy and you want that premiere movie experience or whatever, you know, ha- I'm happy for you. But yeah, more you, I've you. never yeah. been to a premiere where I had to pre-order a ticket to get a seat. I was almost always able to get a premiere seat ticket, you know, right, without issue. And that includes the Star Wars movies and the Marvel movies and the Nolan Batman movies. Right. I saw The Dark Knight in theaters like five times, including the premiere. And I saw it three times. And every time I had no problem getting a ticket. <laughs> Not None at all. Oh, yeah. Just don't show up at the last minute and you'll get a ticket. So for me, it seems especially gross and predatory. And, you know, to me, it seems more like they're just assuring that they get your ticket sale, you know? Yeah. So if something happens to you, you get sick or you die or, you know, any number of things before the movie's released, they still have your money. Fuck off. Yeah. So. And here's the the other thing, the other facet to this whole thing is that when you have advanced tickets being purchased or having been made available... The results of how many that you purchase could end up maybe changing some of the narrative around the movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be like the biggest blockbuster, the best one of all time, oh, expected yeah. to oh, that's awful. like take a 
It's been a, I think Star Wars The Last Jedi is probably the most obvious example of this. Yeah. Or the hype leading up to this movie. The, this is probably the most dangerous time for any kind of a consumer of big, like, popular content. Yeah. Because the hype machine on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these social networks and BuzzFeed and having to post and literally a barrage and then you have tv commercials and it just nothing is advertised like it used to be where they just tried to earn your viewership with a few trailers and whatever else now they assault you with paid for advertised reviews and previews where people just bullshit right and yeah oh this is the best star wars ever i can't believe they did oh it's so great wait till you see it blah blah you gotta see it's so great and now it's everywhere yeah and it's it's like that south park episode where the you couldn't even tell what the advertisement was anymore (laughs) and then the little girl turned out to be the advertisement too (laughs) i think it was stan or kyle's girlfriend or whatever oh yeah it's really like getting close to that point where you really can't trust anything that comes out prior to the movie anything yeah because it's all bullshit until you actually see the movie and then it's kind of like a self-feeding system because you go into this movie with these expectations that oh this is gonna be the greatest thing ever this personality I follow on YouTube or on this this writer for whatever you know news company or whatever said this was the best whatever blah 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 and then you see it and you're, you're like okay that was a little weird but this is great you know this is great it kind of feeds into itself it's like a you know, a cons- constant hype machine and then you walk out of the right. theater and you're like man there's a lot of problems with that movie. Yeah, that, what, and then you go read the spoiler review from that famous personality or whatever, and they tear the fucking shit apart. <laughs> but prior to the movie, they were loving it. It was the greatest thing ever. Right. That that's how you can tell the difference between a paid reviewer versus an unpaid reviewer. I mean, it's not even that simple anymore. It's it, really not. It, it's unfortunately no. becoming a bit more muddled. But uh, th- this is the thing that scares me most: is that you can have people like that on the internet telling you this is a great movie and then a couple days later pointing out the, oh, here are all the problems that I have with it. Are you sure that you didn't have these problems immediately yeah. and just didn't want to say it? Yeah. It's like, it's like credibility. Credibility is slowly being eroded away. Like, I wouldn't fucking, even say slowly. I think it's gone. Yeah, yeah. fucking Rotten Tomatoes Gave this, gave, Rotten Tomatoes gave Star Wars: The Last Jedi a score in the nineties. That was for like all of the people who like are like directly with Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Uh, the so users, you're, you're putting the plot of this movie next to things like The Godfather, uh, apparently. Which the is, Dark Knight. It's just fucking sad. This is no, no. This is what I would have said had I seen it and worked for Rotten Tomatoes and didn't have to worry about losing my job. <laughs> like, no, no, and no, fucking. I mean, we've no. already talked about in the past about some bad business practices where uh, Disney, just because of how powerful they are, started banning reviewers that gave them less than desirable accolades. Right. Even ones that gave them average grades. If they weren't incredible, 
eight, nine, ten high tier score grades. They were banning him. And once that happens to you, once you're banned from press events and all these things, you're not valued to a company as an uh, as a reporter anymore, right? Because your re- credentials are gone. So what are they gonna do? You know, they're gonna lay you off. You're yeah. gone. And that's it's you like know if that's you happened. Can't get into the spots where we need you to do your job and report on this thing. Yeah. Then you're no good. Now I'm not saying that it's worse than it's ever been. There, there's always been times, you know, in the past where something like this has occurred, but never on this scale where it's literally on your phone, right in front of your face every ten minutes. It's on your computer. It's on your television. It's on the billboards you see as you drive around. It's the fake hype machine. And <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but to quote our president fake news Ooh. <laughs> now in the context of pr- our president uh ridiculous and stupid and silly in the uh, context are you kidding uh, he's a very stable genius <laughs> i don't know what you're talking he's about he's like really smart <laughs> but in the context of oh my God. <laughs> in the context of popular media yeah where there really isn't any kind of fallout if you bullshit people or lie to people the only thing you get is more sales yeah you know more initial launch sales um it is a little bit gross and disgusting and i don't even know what the solution is they're really i don't know how you prevent this in the digital era right there's this doesn't seem like the thing that can be prevented more than it can be outed as it were uh this definitely seems like the the type of situation where in order to further what the narrative should be around these movies, which should be like an honest, unbiased, unpaid review, and by that I mean unpaid from, like, you're not receiving money from the company who put the movie out because, you know, there's always going to be confirmation bias there. Yeah. Um, there, there needs to be some sort of accountability where you're having multiple people review this thing and so that you can get a plethora of different ideas about the thing that they just watched like problems different points of view like how some things work to one person yeah. and didn't to others uh, that that's i think the the only route that i think we could take in the immediate future um but there there needs to be some kind of oversight as far as like reporting goes. Well, that's the thing. Like systems like Rotten Tomatoes and Media Critic or Metacritic. So Metacritic. Metacritic, thank you. Yeah. Metacritic more for video games, Rotten Tomatoes more for movies. But yeah. They do do both. Um that's what their role is supposed to be. Their right. role is supposed to be a check on things. And that's why they have, like, viewer reviews on the side. The problem is that you can't even trust the, rev- the you know, reviewer reviews from everyday people. Right. Because people will create multiple accounts to boost a movie they think is unfairly admonished and fake accounts to trash a movie they think is unfairly boosted right? to try to counteract the culture. And then there's, you know, of course... I guarantee you there's companies that pay people to make bots. Oh, I'm to sure. Get, to keep them a constant stream of automated, you know, boosting reviews that are higher. Yeah. You know? 
So even the normal everyday person reviews are bullshit. <laughs> it's really it's it's uh, it sucks, but it's true. Yeah. In the modern era, it's so easy, you know, for people to just purchase bots to do <laughs> the dirty work for you. You know, right. it's, it's so easy for people to just make multiple accounts, you know, with you know, slightly different variations of the same fucking email, and you know, yeah, that yeah. that's the thing that kind of kills me about this entire thing. Going back to all of that is, at the end of the day, opinions are subjective, but those tickets are still more than ten fucking bucks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, that, and that's. It's because of those prices that we look to reviewers mm-hmm. to maybe either justify our decision to either do it or not, or to maybe you know get get some idea as to what I can expect as far as like the type of movie I'm going into. Yeah, when that gets tainted and further biased by buying out these reviewers from the movie company. It, it just it it throws what was the original intent of things like Rotten Tomatoes yeah. into complete fucking chaos. And I think it sucks, especially for a smaller company. Now that it's always harder for a smaller company or independent filmmaker or whatever, but they just get so overshadowed by the hype machine. Yeah, know? the hype machine for these you know big company movies just blows up. I mean, even movies like Baby Driver and stuff like that, which you know were pretty solid movies, like. Even stuff like that just gets way a disproportionate amount of hype, you know, pre- prior to the movie coming out, just because these media machines just churn it out, you know, on Facebook ads and Twitter ads, and and it's you can't even tell it's an advertisement because it looks just like some reviewer saying, "Oh, this movie's so great, you can't wait to see it, you gotta see it," blah blah blah. Right. I saw a secret screening of this scene, and it was one of the coolest scenes I've ever seen in cinema history. You know. <laughs> That sort of stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's everywhere. It's on YouTube. It's on Facebook. It's on Twitter. It's on Instagram. It's everywhere. You can't avoid it. And uh, I just don't. I don't know what you do about it. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I think uh, it's a good time to jump into our next topic here. Oh, yeah. Uh, my topic, as I alluded to, is about tr- how to get back into a series you dropped and mm-hmm. how to select series you know that you've dropped in the past either because it had a delay or you know you just got busy for a moment or didn't have cash for the week that it came out and forgot about it or whatever you know several things happen uh for me the most common reason i drop something is because of delays yeah um uh some big examples i can think of are uh witches from scott snyder <clears throat> obviously he was shuffling between <clears throat> several different projects at the time because he was the big name for DC at the time. Yeah, makes sense. Uh-huh. Uh, but Witches I really like. There wasn't anything wrong with the quality, but after, I think, like issue four or five or something, it, uh, it just kind of dropped off a cliff, and I was just <laughs> like, uh, not in quality, it just like well, disappeared. Like, where, where the hell did I, it go? I, I yeah. couldn't find any explanation, no announcements that had been delayed, and you know, I had no idea what happened. And I guess, you know... I guess it got finished eventually, but I just, I never saw it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Another big one is um, Monstrous, which we talked about earlier. Uh, Monstrous, good series, great series, great artwork, especially. And um, 
after a few issues, it just stopped appearing on the shelves, and I was just like, "Well, what's going on? Is there a delay? Is like, there what happened you know, to it? Is, are the is, was the artist stretched too too far because it's so ornate and so well you know detailed and stuff? You know, man, stuff happens. Um, sometimes it's a publishing issue, and uh, you know when that happens, it, not intentionally, but I just I forget." <laughs> I forget that I was reading that t- comic, and then when I finally do go back to try to pick it up or whatever, I'm like, man, I don't remember any of these characters. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> what was going on here. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> to do. Right. And I feel Delays like... Delays definitely help with that feeling. Yeah. I feel like that happens with a lot of comics, just because of their nature. You know, you get you usually get one a month for a storyline, you know? Yeah. And... You know, a month doesn't seem like that long, but it's a long time to, you know, not get any new story details or keep that memory fresh. Because then you're just like, well, who is this guy again? What what was going on, you know, this issue? So that you, the issues really have to emphasize, like, what happened at the very end so that you remember that key moment at the end or that key moment at the beginning or whatever, you know, to get yeah. you started. So there's a lot of issues with uh, falling off comics. Um I hate to do this because like a lot of TV shows today, it causes, you know, the creators to struggle a little bit at the beginning, but I like for a few issues to stack up a little bit and then I Mm. tackle a handful of issues, you know, yeah. a lot of people do that with volumes, you know, they'll wait until the first volumes out before they even do anything with it. But by then the comics usually canceled if it didn't get the ratings. So that's the drawback. Right. Um, Uh, Yeah. I actually know several people who, really don't like investing in the uh issue to issue and like they more like waiting for a complete story yeah which while it sounds like a good idea Mm -hmm. it because of the nature of you know how the comic book industry works uh, that's how a lot of books end up getting canceled yeah that's true a lot of really good books and I think that happened a lot, especially in New 52, because there's so many titles that people just didn't have the time to get around to all of them. Right. There and, were a lot. <laughs> you know, so people read the main ones, and then some, you know, some got, like, bad press because they didn't like that un- Superman wasn't wearing his red undies anymore. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And yeah, that came back. And then a lot of really good titles that were on the side got canceled just because of sales, even though the, they were critically well-received and were really good. Um and a lot of that just tends to over-proliferation and people wanting to just wait it out and, you know, get the <laughs> the first and second volume or whatever, and then by then it was canceled. They're like, well, fuck. Well, fuck this. <laughs> Could you imagine reading an entire, like, Forever Evil collection? <laughs> that's the big. My, that's my biggest problem with events. Is there's always some kind. There's always a million tie-in comics, you know, that you need for context for what the side characters are doing in the main storyline, and then the main storyline is so convoluted without the tie-in comics on the side too. So it's right. It's like making allusions to these other things that you need to buy in order yeah. to for, for the story to make sense. Yeah. So, um, there's several reasons why I drop off comics, but the most common one for me is just delays without explanation. I mean, even if they do explain it, sometimes the delay's so long, I just forget, you know? Yeah. Um, I was just wondering, you know, maybe we could discuss when we do get back into books, how we do it. Right. Do we go back and read from issue one and catch back up and re-educate ourselves? Or do you... 
just jump in where you think you left off, you know, kind of guesstimate where you left off and jump in? Or, you know, how, how do you handle these things? Uh, as far as jumping into a series after I've either left it or forgotten about it or what have you, mm-hmm. uh, usually the approach that I take is I look for any kind of volumes or anything like that so that I can go completely back through the thing because like there's one thing that I've never really liked about being like there are some cases where I feel like I'm forced to drop off because you know life happens like uh, anything can come into your life or you know disrupt things in your life to where it's like you just you can't get the issue that time yeah um your car breaks down you lose your job you have a kid whatever yeah any number of things um i would this would be the one time when i would either wait for a volume or see if i can find the back issues which um looking for the back issues has always been kind of an elusive thing for me. Yeah, for me, if I'm completely honest, mm-hmm. I kind of enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's just fun for me to go to like comic shop, have an excuse to go from comic shop to comic shop to comic shop, <laughs> just, and just, just like trying s- to find that ex- one issue, completely explore their back catalog. It, it feels like being a detective or something. You're just <laughs> like. Hmm. Mm. Like oh, oh, maybe oh. they sorted it wrong. Oh, they oh. did sort it wrong. Yeah. Oh, here's something, you know. <laughs> and then you find that gem. Uh, like I know the way. <laughs> Thank you, Uganda Knuckles. <laughs> um, it, it, we call that the hunt. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's for me. I have trouble with volumes um, as a collector. Because volumes don't typically hold their value very well, if at all. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, you'll be able to resell it to like a bookstore or something for you know half the price of what it was. If you're lucky. But it's not going to retain that original value, and it's not. It's certainly not going to gain value. Oh, no. Um, even the most famous things in volume form typically don't have any val- value whatsoever. Um, no, the value is just like a, a base price. This is what you pay for. Yeah. You're not going to get that money back. Which, if you're, I mean, if you're just collecting something because you really enjoy the story and the artwork and nothing else, you know, you can sacrifice the individual cover arts and you can sacrifice the value because you know you're not going to resell it, you know. More power to you, great, you know. Yeah. Um, But for me, as a, a person that does collect these things and does care somewhat about their condition and value and stuff, I always go for the single issues, um, especially, you know, particularly for stuff that has really good cover art uh, and stuff that I think will be collectible. You know, there's a lot of good storylines out there that I enjoy, but the cover art wasn't particularly great. And I didn't think it was going to be like legacy building or anything. Right. That top tier, you know, collectible level. So I didn't feel bad about getting a volume or, you know, uh, reading a collected version on comiXology or something. Um, so so for me, a lot of times I try to seek out these back issues, like for this Sacred Creatures comic that I just read. You know, I'm going to have to try to find the second, third issues uh, somewhere, <laughs> which might be <laughs> it, difficult, you know. Yeah, someone's got them. But um, 
I do enjoy the hunt. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a little entertaining for me. It's it's you know. I don't know. I assume it's like a lot of people with shopping, you know. They like window shopping. They like the thrill of going from store to store and seeing the new stuff. Well, for me, it's with comics. I like going oh, yeah. from store to store, seeing the different you know people that work there, obviously, and then you know seeing the new environment and looking through their back catalog, see what <laughs> little treasures they have that I can complete parts of my collection with. Um, but I've all, I actually feel like the almost the anxiety of how much work I'm going to have to do to catch back <laughs> up in a, in a book discourages me more than anything. Like I have a ton of just DC lines and runs, you know, that I, I still haven't finished catching up on and reading, you know, Batman eternal and features end and, um, yeah, obviously this dark Knight's metal thing. I don't want to read. And <laughs> I didn't, I never finished features end. And then, then there's the, the dark side wars that, are apparently important to what happened with convergence and everything or post convergence. So there's a lot of things that I have to read and catch up on. And a lot of them I started, but then, you know, I got busy or something happened and then I didn't get back to it. And now like, I don't even remember what the fuck was going on in these books for <laughs> some of them. And I'm like, I don't want to re read that many issues. Cause I, like for Batman eternal, I was like on issue like 40 something and there's 52 issues. And I'm Ooh. like, I'm going to have to reread <laughs> all 40 <laughs> issues and I have them. I have them physically, but it's just oh, it's such a pain in the butt and it's so discouraging. Yeah. Um there's another title Nailbiter. I have the first issue signed there by the creators. Um I really loved it when it first came out, but then I ran into some life stuff and uh because of that I didn't keep up with it. And then once the life stuff was over and I got back into comics, the run was pretty much over. Or yeah. if, it, if it's not, I haven't seen it on shelves in a long time. So Be worth investigating. It was actually me testing out Comicsology Unlimited that got me back into it to catch up to where I was. And now I'm seeking the last you know sets of comics that came from it to hmm. try to complete it. Um, and that's all thanks to having a cheap subscription to Comixology uh, Unlimited. So, oh yeah, I was able to catch back up with uh, my nail biter comics and whatever. Walking Key is another one where I started it, enjoyed it, but then I kind of fell off of it for a second or two and forgot about it. And then when I thought about going back to it, I was like, but there's so much new stuff, and it's gonna be such a pain in the ass to find these comics again and yeah. reread it all. <laughs> so it's tough, and I. I would like to give our listeners and watchers uh, like some kind of really good advice. <laughs> I think a lot of it comes down to time, you know. How, yeah. How long have you been away from this comic? You know, if it was a delay, you know, how long was the delay? And if it was significant, hopefully you own it physically so you can reread it and catch back up. Maybe you can look up like uh, synopsises, you know, on online somewhere. I don't really know of a good place to go for that, but synopses. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Synopsi. Synoptopus. <laughs> One's got to be right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the the other big factor going into like getting back into like a line of comics that have just completely dropped off for you. Uh, investment. How much do you care about either the story or the artwork mm -hmm. or just collecting the whole thing? Yeah, and with Monstrous, it's a lot. 
Yeah. So I'm willing to go back and reread everything that I can and try to get back caught up to where it was. But I don't even remember it ending. Like, <laughs> same with Witches. I don't even remember an announcement happening that it was the last issue. Like, I, <laughs> it just disappeared and I stopped yeah. seeing it on shelves. And Yeah, I think that's... Uh... <laughs> That's going to be the the thing, at least as for me, that determines whether or not, if it drops off, whether or not I feel like ever looking at it again. Yeah. So for me, I would my biggest recommendation to creators that want people to stick with their stories and their books, do your best not to have delays. Consistency. And like, if it's a week delay, whatever. Yeah. I'm talking like two-month delays, you know, oh, three-month delays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite uh, books is uh, Lady Mechanica from Joe Benitez. He does awesome art, beautiful artwork. The stories are fun and interesting. It's in like a steampunk punk aesthetic. You know, it's kind of it's just fun. It's a feast for the eyes, and it's fun to, to read the stories and stuff. But he's so slow. <laughs> His These books come out like a new one every four months if you're lucky <laughs> and they come out so slowly and i understand you know Joe benita's productions it's his own company it's his own line and i'm sure he works his ass off to get that much out you know but it seems like there's just a delay all the time always you, a delay and you never know when the next issue's coming you, and by the time the new issue comes out i still buy them because i love the covers but it's just you're like, what am I supposed to do? I don't want to go back and reread all of this again <laughs> so I can read this one issue again and then wait another four months again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is... Oh, So, but, uh, I, I love Joe Benitez, but he's so bad about just dropping off the face of the planet. And There's actually uh, a story... I'm not sure if you remember the ultimate Marvel Universe being a thing. Yeah. Oh, you want to talk about delays. <laughs> uh, let me let me tell you something about Ultimate Wolverine versus the Hulk. Oh, buddy. I think we got about two issues in before we realized that uh, this guy, Damon Lindelof... The writer of Lost was still writing Lost. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying with a lot of these projects. It's because they're stretched too thin. They get popular and they want to do something other than their mainstream books that they're doing, whether it's Batman or Superman or Spider-Man or, you know, Miss Marvel, whatever. Yeah. They want to branch out and do, you know, an image book or a Vertigo book or whatever. Right. So they reach out and they do, you know, American Vampire and... They do witches and whatever else, and then they get stretched way too thin, and then delays happen, and you're just like, as a reader, you're like, where the fuck is it? This I, one I, thing I, that I wanted. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, when you, when the writer of your comic also is in the middle of writing a television series, yeah, uh, yeah, good luck. And so sometimes it's the artist too. I know I've seen it, uh, you know, on artists' Twitter accounts that I've followed. Uh, over the years, you know, sometimes they they send out an apology and they're like, I'm sorry, but I've been working morning, day and night trying to get these panels done. And, you know, some of them 
were a little more troublesome than I thought they were going to be, and it took me a lot longer than I thought it was going to take, you know, and that, those sorts of things. And I had to make some edits and corrections because we changed the story halfway through the month. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> that yeah. stuff happens, and, you know, it's not exclusively on one or the other. Sometimes it's even production. Sometimes it's just, oh, the print got fucked up. Like, uh, not too long ago, we had the... Luke Cage featuring like Doctor Strange panels or something on accident. Yeah, so they had to two re- Marvel titles got like half like half swapped. It yeah. was so weird, and so they had to redo a bunch of them and send out refunds and <laughs> you know stuff like that happens. It's it it's a part of the business, unfortunately. Yeah. Although if anyone out there has both copies where they were both the fuck ups please let me know i really want those <laughs> i'm sure they'll be collectible yeah um i think there's an easy solution to a lot of this i know a lot of comic companies don't want to hear it a lot of creators don't want to hear it uh i think it's the same solution that i've had for a lot of movies maybe write everything and prepare everything for release before you release it like instead of you know the creative equivalent of living paycheck to paycheck right where you are just creating like whatever you can think of for that month yeah yeah what i think comic companies should do is you know have whatever creators and artists pitch them their idea and you go okay sounds good we'll give you a year give me 12 issues they'll be like all right uh, we'll say once you have those twelve issues, we'll re- release them month to month to month, whatever, and then we'll pay you your your comp- <coughs> compensation based on that, and we'll pay you the upfront fee that you were already going to get anyway. You right. know. So here you go, make all twelve issues for us, and then when we're done, we'll announce it and have a big press release, and we'll start the run. <laughs> but instead, we have these perpetual week to week to week to week to week things and last minute things. You know, Brian Bendis just joined DC. And he's already writing a story for the Action Comics number 1000, you know? Yeah. And it's not a lot of time. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think the that is a very special and unique approach to it, mostly because, like, how things are run, uh, from what I remember. Like, it's usually about the, the first three issues that they have planned out, and then from there... You just, you keep writing, and depending on how well it's selling, at some point, something that you've already written just doesn't get drawn. Well, that's that's another big thing. Like, if you do that, not only is the the series committed to having a year run or six-issue run or whatever the case may be. Yeah. But it gives the create or the company, the publisher, enough time to evaluate. You know, all right, how is this selling this half of the year? You know, you will know months before the last issue whether it's worth your time or not. Right. And you can order more long ahead of time and give the creator long enough warning to be like, okay, we want to keep this going. So write us another 12 issues. Write us another, or, you know, create us another six issues. This is your only project. Get it done for us. 
and then you can do whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's what I think they should do. Same with the movies, the DC movies. They keep fucking, you know, oh, we'll, we'll work it out when it approaches, you know, Star Wars. And instead of just having J.J. Abrams plan out the whole series, yeah. we're going to have J.J. do the first one. And then he's going to pitch it off to Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson's going to do his thing. And then a third director's going to do his thing. But no, wait, he's dropping out because he didn't like Ryan Johnson's approach. So now we're fucked. Oh, <laughs> now J.J. Abrams, come back in and try to sweep this up a little bit. <laughs> like... Yeah, all the a lot of these creative problems could be solved just by planning everything out ahead of time and committing to it. You yeah, know, instead of just spastically going from issue to issue to issue. And I think it's it's I can't speak from experience, obviously, but I would really love to have a, a writer, a comic book writer, in here that has worked in the industry for a bit and ask them, you know, uh, is it a pain in the ass to write these issues, you know, month to month to month? And try to remember what the fuck you already did. Because I think a, right. a lot of the flaws with uh, comic books usually comes in the later issues. You know, if it's a year run, usually the problems, it's re- it starts off really strong. And then it just gradually declines in quality as the time goes on. Not because the premise was bad or the characters are bad or because the art was bad. But because they're tr- they're scrambling to try to remember what the fuck happened a year ago, you know. Right. And, and again, these issues happen month to month, and they're working on multiple projects and trying to keep things together. And you know, if you, especially if you're not a very organized writer with like you know bar graphs and charts and stuff, try to keep track of everything, you're gonna end up being redundant. You're gonna end up contradicting earlier material, and yeah, and a lot of these things, these a lot, a lot of these problems happen. So. And I think it would solve so many problems. It would prevent delays. And when delays happen, people fall off your books and your book sales drop. And then your book gets canceled. And you're like, fuck, why did this get canceled? We worked so hard on it. It was such good quality. People loved it at the beginning. Why did why did people stop buying it? You know, oh, maybe it's because I had a two-month delay because, you know, instead of making everything ahead of time, uh, we just decided to make it from month to month to month or, you know, two months ahead of time, which is not a lot of time, you know, to yeah. draw you know, 30 pages of artwork and dialogue and letters and colors and, you know, getting the publication requested to the factory so they can print so many millions of issues, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's rare that we get something like the Watchmen level, but the Watchmen is a thing that happened as a serialized comic book, uh, like in how it is that uh, Alan Moore managed to write a 12 issue masterpiece, um, I have no idea. I, I, I'm really curious as to whether or not he had the whole thing plotted out. Mm-hmm. And then just like started like writing like this part of it's going to be for this issue and so on and so forth. Yeah. Or if he only planned out like the first three and then just started like basically spitballing it from there. Yeah. That is, <clears throat> I- I'm really curious. Mm-hmm. Now I hear what you're thinking out there. You're thinking, well, Chris, you stupid ass. <laughs> if they already made all the material for it before they start releasing it and selling it, why wouldn't they just release it all at once, like Netflix? <laughs> you know, why wouldn't they just put it in a big volume and let you consume it immediately? You know, because it would sustain the industry 
to continue releasing these single issues in a coherent story. You know, you have the advantage of creating all this content, whether it's six issues or 12 issues or whatever, ahead of time, having everything well planned out, well laid out, and you can even test it yourself to see how they flow from issue to issue. Okay, that's where I left off. Pick up this one. Okay, I'm not lost. Everything still rings true. Everything makes sense. Blah, 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 blah. That's not something you have with the other issues. Now, yes, you could release it all at once as a volume and just have everybody buy the one volume and binge it and then forget about it. But that leaves the publisher in a hot spot where, you know, they have nothing to release (laughs) on a (laughs) week-to-week basis. And that's obviously not going to fly with a lot of these companies. And then on the other end, volumes are expensive, you know. It's and the people aren't gonna want to go to their comic shop every week and spend you like know forty to fifty bucks yeah, yeah on two or three volumes you know so and and again then you're left with a big dry spell where they they just did six months worth of material and released it all at once and now you got nothing for six months right because they got to take another huge span of time to plan out their next six month issue or whatever else so right i think it's a very easy solution and you can very easily just cut it up into six issues seven issues eight issues 12 issues whatever whatever fits the bill and still sustain the industry still keep comic fans happy but have a clear coherent storyline that doesn't get delayed and fucked up right uh there is also something to take into account to promote the idea of purchasing it like issue to issue is that sometimes someone's going to catch a mistake. <laughs> and it is in those instances that having it serialized is to their benefit so that they can, before it goes to print, hopefully fix it. Yeah. And then, you know, correct their mistake, send it back to print, and then you get the product that both they're confident of trying to sell you and we're confident in buying. Yeah. Um, uh, I think another thing to consider, this is just my personal feelings about it, but, you know, from time to time, and I think it happens more often than we'd like to admit, uh particularly on the creative side. Um, I think there's a lot of reacting Mm. that happens in the comic book industry where if something is received poorly initially or something is received like positively initially, they try to reinforce whatever that positive thing was to the nth degree or they try to, you know, remove that thing they had already committed to and pretend like it didn't happen those sorts of things i think it would prevent a lot of that that stuff that reactionary content making because i think sometimes it hurts like overall arcs you know you know sometimes you paint this character in a you know maybe a poor light to begin with for a reason because you want this character to follow a particular arc but then when you get a negative reaction because the character is like this or that or whatever um and then you try to fix it to make your publisher happy because the publisher's like well what the fuck you should have known this was going to be a bad reaction <laughs> I, you know <laughs> yeah i think that that's another added benefit and i think that's a good thing i think it, i want to see the original direction of the artist and of the creator uh the writer um 
I want to see what their original vision was. I don't want to see a reactionary altered vision that just progressively <laughs> right. gets less and less dynamic or less and less uh, honest, I think. And I think e- even if it, you know, even if it's maybe distasteful or something along those lines, I'd rather they own up to it and just follow through and finish the story. You know, finish the arc they created for that specific character. Because who knows? You know, the tides change every you know, every week. It seems like nowadays. Yeah. Um, things could change, and it, you know, people could look at it through a different lens and be like, "Well, this is really honest sign of this time," and blah 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 blah. You know, uh, we look back at a lot of content. You know. Um, whether it be old superhero movies and old corny, you know, superhero TV shows. And uh, we look at the differences between the, you know, 30s, uh, you know, DC comics where they're kind of dark and Batman has a gun and he's shooting criminals dead and, you know, <laughs> those sorts of things. And you have this terrifying Joker who's a mass murderer and just wears a smile on his face. And then you look into what followed it, you know, the kind of corny, super conservative, super censored comic books where yeah, everybody's um, hitting each other with boxing gloves and, you know, <laughs> silly things like that. And you got the boy wonder and his scaled underpants, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Those sorts of things, and then you cross over into the the Vietnam era where things get dark again and can, uh, reflect. Can, can we just take a moment and, uh, okay, who, how, scaled briefs? <laughs> <laughs> they are essential. <laughs> they seem like they would cut you like right at the spot where your leg meets your junk. <laughs> It just, uh, not if it, you're a circus performer. Apparently. <laughs> fucking circus. But then it crosses over into the Vietnam era where you get a very, you know, we're, dark. We're back to the dark. More sinister world again. A little bit more mm-hmm. cynical. And oh, I th- yeah. I think a lot of comics, especially right now, where we're, you know, in some ways for good reason, in some ways not really for a good reason. We're very sensitive to everything, you know. And then on the same you know side of the coin you have the people that get overly supportive about things that aren't necessarily a good story aren't good characters but it meets an ideal agenda you know prototype right so we're going to applaud it and boast it as this great wonderful hype thing and of course you never know how much of that is genuine and how much of that is just you know the companies themselves trying to hype shit you know to sell more shit you know uh, and I think there's a lot of bullshit out there, as we spoke about during the the movie ticket sales segment. Um, but I think if we had a more honest approach, it would hold up to time better. It would stand in a more honest fashion, up to scrutiny in the future, you know. Yeah. Uh, and give a more honest picture of our era. Uh, and I, again, every era is kind of remembered, you know, for some kind of distinct feature and i think if you created those things ahead of time and didn't follow the kind of reactionary pursuit of a storyline or of a comic series it might give a more clear picture uh instead of a you know kind of diluted and wavering you know thing where we're trying to be overly sensitive and change things drastically as the story goes on because something wasn't received well or something was received well and we want to reinforce it you know 
Um, I don't, I don't think there's really been another time in comic books where it was so, you know, back and forth, you know, right. jump from one extreme to the other extreme. Um, it's like, it's the, like we're riding waves. Yeah. At this like, point. I think a big example is like the Batgirl kind of, um, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Issue. I've we talked about this before, but you know when they tried to introduce their first trans character or whatever, and they they thought they were going to get all the applause like they had been getting in the past for their new changes or updates or whatever, and right. then it, they ended up getting the complete opposite when the you know community was angry that they made a trans character a villain and they made the trans character wear the same uniform as the main character and you know. Uh, made the trans character into a you know, big stereotype and stuff like that, you know. Like, oh, oh. So that's <laughs> that's an example where they were reactionary and they kind of just swept it all under the rug and forgot about the character. <laughs> yeah. Um, another example on the opposite side of the, side of the spectrum. Uh, during the New Fifty Two run of, uh, I think it was Detective Comics. It might have been All Star Batman. I think it was Detective Comics though, um, where they had this super villain called the White Bunny or something. And it was literally just a Playboy bunny (laughs) in a mask and a domino mask and a, you know, corset. And that was it. (laughs) Yeah. And she was just a blatant, just pornographic kind of eye candy villain that was there and didn't really serve a purpose. Thanks, guys. And that, as you would expect, received a lot of jokes and kind of, you know, clash, (laughs) clashing from fans, you know, both on the kind of pushing agenda side and on the like what the fuck is this side we're trying to make these respectable so so people can enjoy them you know um so there are different examples and again they just swept them under the rug and just like oh this never happened don't look over here look over here look over here (laughs) um and i think if it, it was already established and already laid out even if you you know boom or bust at least you, you committed, and people can see that as a reflection of what was going on at the time, whether that's right. good or bad. And I think that's a more honest approach, and I'm, I think it's a more interesting approach personally, and especially as a guy who likes history a lot. You know, I like looking back and seeing the context. You know, yeah, uh, seeing the comics that kind of broke from the mold. You, you see, the '30s are kind of you know. heroes aren't super super powered yet they're just kind of guys with extraordinary abilities that run around with a gun and beat up criminals and beat up you know those uh you know big company enforcers that would you know go around killing union people and you know and then you grow into the kind of you know light-hearted you know post-world war ii where you have the mccarthy area and everything's being censored and anything communist is a threat and you see that reflected in the comics and everything's supposed to be innocent and clean and you have the comics code authority step in like all these other like regulatory things that happened in the late 40s and 50s this is a reflection of the times and then you get into the late 60s into the early 70s mid 70s and you start seeing more female characters popping up you start you see wonder woman change from the strong powerful war you to this like secret spy who else has had that happen Ooh, nightwing nightwing so (laughs) you think they would have learned from their mistakes but apparently you know history kind of repeats but then during the mid 70s to late 70s they got really dark and cynical reflecting you know kind of the environment that was surrounding vietnam and what was going on in the country at the time with the you know oil crisis and all these different things and then you go into the 70s where everything's kind of 
big and you know bulky and square and boisterous very rich and powerful and you know everything's a showing of strength and force and you see that reflected in the heroes you know wonder woman's just gigantic you know gigantic (laughs) arms and chests and legs and she's wearing the you know the rib high (laughs) bodysuit thing you know yeah. Where it shows like her entire midriff all the way down. You can almost see her labia hanging out, you know. <laughs> she got the big, you know, super curly hair, you know, everywhere and Superman's got his mullet growing out and Ooh. you know <clears throat> it's a reflection of the times and yeah. not always, you know, great. <laughs> but it, it it reflects the era and and I think it makes sense. And then you get into the nineties where things are kinda lighthearted again and kinda fun and goofy and like all over the place and colorful and you know Sometimes for better, sometimes for worse. Um, sometimes things get like uh, goofy serious. Yeah, and that I think is a uh, particular to the '90s. Yeah, uh, like kind of like into the the Rob Liefeld era, where yeah. it's like exaggerate. That's that's a good word for it. It was exaggerated. an exaggerated time yeah. where like the dudes were like super like balloon muscly and. Yeah. Uh, everyone had like pointed feet, yeah, and it's just like that. People were like extra tall and got into like these weird poses. It was yeah. exaggerated, and it stood in ex- in huge contrast to what happened post nine eleven. You know, po- right. post nine eleven books took a dark turn. Not not unlike the post Vietnam books. You know, yeah, where books suddenly became more cynical and more you know, grounded and realistic and a little bit more, you know, wary of conspiracies and terrorists, you know. I'd never even heard of a terrorist in a comic book, you know, prior to 9-11. Yeah. And then it was in every comic book. Uh, Terrorists and soldiers and, you know, government espionage and and all these dark stories about death and loss and um, reflective books. And Marvel had a, a very specific take on it and by specific i mean he he had something shocking like actually showing the rubble mm-hmm. of 9/11 yeah and then showing a character like magneto and like saying something akin to basically not even i'm this fucked up yeah and it's I think it's hard for people that are young to imagine, but it was a completely different type of society. Yeah. Not only in our art culture, but in our everyday culture before 9-11, you know, nobody worried about going to the airport prior to 9-11. Right. It didn't take you an hour to get through the TSA. (laughs) Right. You know, so they could inspect your underwear and your shoes and you could, you know, every drink you had and, you know. It was a more innocent time. Um there weren't so many hang-ups about Guantanamo Bay and you know just all these different all these different things we kind of take for granted today all this stuff just appeared almost overnight that's what it felt like and then it got expanded with Iraq and then the the revelations that uh, oh we went to Iraq for no reason we just we thought there was a reason but there really wasn't a reason apparently this whoops british intelligence agency was just like oh we'll say there's a thing and everybody should believe us because we're allies now let's go (laughs) so 
I, <clears throat> and then comics immediately and art culture in general started reflecting that in video games and books and comic books and you name it where you know these all these stories about you know corrupt government officials started popping up and you know people that are heads of state lying to the public so they could do a certain thing or you know and now even in the modern era we're seeing a reflection of our current society we have a society that is at war but we've kind of forgotten. Yeah. So these wars are going off in the background. We don't really remember because it's, we've been at it for, what is it, 2018, 17 years now. Uh, so, yeah, it's a pretty long time to just be constantly in perpetual war. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, you, you know, th- things that had taken, you know, kind of a backseat post 2001, post 2003. Uh, are now resurging with a vengeance, you know, trying to make up for lost time, like, you know, equal rights. And um, and when I say equal rights, I include, like, societal norms, you know, societal right. expectations that aren't necessarily laws, just, like, expectations for cultural norms, you know. Right. Uh, those sorts of things. Uh, accountability for, you know, big, powerful people that take advantage of their position for, you know, sexual endeavors <laughs> whatever you want to say <clears throat> um uh recognition of you know income inequalities and all these things and they're showing up in the books you know things fears about um global warming things about fears about um you know climate shifts and uh corporations being unregulated you know losing the regulations they previously had these are all things that for better or worse, are appearing in the comic books. Even that book we you know, were laughing at just completely ruined the book in issue two with Dark Fang. Oh, um, yeah, with yeah, the, yeah. the premise that was finally sold. <laughs> as goofy as it was, and as much as I didn't like it and probably won't continue reading it, I appreciate it for reflecting what it is, you know? Right. And I hope that the, the writer just sticks to their guns and just rides it out and finishes it. Because it, it does reflect concerns of our time and characters of our time and uh, even the transition of a lot of characters to a more cartoony style like with batgirl i hate the redesign i really do but isn't it is in stark contrast to the um mid to you know late 2000s kind of era of dark seedy you know um grounded realism you know right and it reflects the kind of more nonchalant open you know children of the post 9-11 era you know where right. they did grow up in the society so much so that they don't even acknowledge that it exists anymore <laughs> yeah because they don't they they don't even remember a time when it wasn't the case you know and yeah, i think they I have think, no frame of reference yeah. for what things were like before that and i think yeah. that's true you know all the way from the late 1920s you know with the birth of superman all the way up to today and it's still going strong and i'm sure in the 2020s we'll be seeing another shift and another change in a different direction and we'll see comics reflect that and i think if you get everything written produced and laid out before way ahead of time and just cut it up into sections it will reflect that much more strongly and in a much more positive way that will be remembered um, well <laughs> and and you won't lose your readership if if you run into a bump in the road if somebody gets right. sick if somebody has to leave because their family member died or you know someone wants to go on vacation god forbid right yeah you know, those sorts of things so 
I think all those things are out there, and um, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of advantages to getting things done ahead of time to prevent readership from falling off. And that putting that aside, my my real solution really is just find a way to catch up. Like um, Batman Eternal, I'm going to reread the whole thing. Like the big thing that hung me up was that I did have to wait for every single issue every single week and make sure I was diligent about not missing every single week. Right. Um, and getting every issue, and I missed a few. And so that discouraged me from continuing the series. So when I finally went back and got them and found them in other back catalogs and stuff, I didn't want to read them because <laughs> even though I had the complete set finally, it's just like, oh, now i got to play catch-up. i got to remember all this stuff and try to figure it all out. And I, I feel like you don't feel lost. Yeah. yeah. And that's my big thing with, with like universes, like the DC universe right now. Convergence just rubbed me so wrong. And I just wasn't interested in what they were doing there that I dropped off almost all of the main series. Pretty much all of them. I can't, I can't even think of one I've been reading lately. Yeah. No, <laughs> I can't think of a single one because yeah. they just rubbed me the wrong way. And I got discouraged. And then life stuff happened. And then I got discouraged again, you know? <laughs> And so, like, even the ones I yeah. was trying to stick with, I couldn't stick with, you know. And I come back, and I'm like, well, now they're in the 30s. And I'm like, I d do I really want to read 30 issues of this book series? Then I'm pretty sure I'm not going to dig that much, you know, Yeah. Uh, just to catch up so I can buy more. <laughs> it's Somehow get current yeah, up to yeah. a certain point. It's yeah. a str it's, the struggle is real, folks. <laughs> um, did you have any more to say on the topic? Um nothing else that i could think of well with that i think we'll end the topics for today uh i want to thank you all for sticking with us and listening to another episode of hit the books podcast i think this has been about a mediocre episode mediocre <laughs> <laughs> uh thank you all for sticking with us if you like what you hear be sure to hit like and subscribe and follow on your podcast services of choice Stitcher, iTunes, Future SoundCloud, whatever. YouTube. Uh, re Check us uh, out at YouTube. If you can hit like and subscribe, it really does help us out because we're trying to get our subscriptions up to a certain level so we can get our vanity URL on our YouTube channel, and that makes it easier to put it out to people so they don't have to look at, oh, we're they're on YouTube.com forward slash XY dollar sign exclamation point dash dash 609P at symbol. I'm just trying to watch a video. I don't want to do math. <laughs> yeah. So it really does help us out if you can help us out in that way or any way. Um, we really appreciate it. And if you just listen, that's fine, too. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, either way, we appreciate you, and we hope that you will return. Remember, you can uh, talk to us on Twitter at HTBVids. You can talk to us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash hit the books. Uh, our website is htbvids.com. Remember, you can check out everything here uh, on our website. If you go to the website, there's buttons for everything. There's a button to go to our YouTube channel. There's a button to go to our Stitcher. There's a button to go to our iTunes feed. There's a button to see all the comics of the week. There's a button to see any written content. It's all there for you. And um, Just click the button. <laughs> once again, thank you to FreshComics.us, which is our weekly resource to figure out what's coming out. And you can use it, too. It's FreshComics.us. And again, there's a button on our website that takes you directly to it. I think that's everything. Is that everything? It's really late. We record these episodes so late. Yeah. <laughs>
Because <laughs> we get started at like six, and then usually we get delayed by reading comics, you know, that we didn't have a chance to read during the week. And, and yeah, that usually goes until like eight or nine. Yeah, and then we you know, do all the the show prep with getting all the nor- news are you know organized and topics and the covers of the week organized. And, and that goes until probably like eleven. Yeah, <laughs> to give you an example, it's three twelve a.m. right now. We yeah. work people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, hashtag always grinding. <laughs> is that a hashtag now? <laughs> it will be. Uh, my hashtag's tough nutting. T U F N U T N. Hashtag tough nutting. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Leave the intrigue. <laughs> uh, but seriously, I want to thank you all for sticking with us. Uh, thanks for watching. We will see you next week. I've been your host, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Emery Saunders. Thanks for watching. See you next week. Bob, you, Bob, Bob, I'm at number one. <laughs> a guy. <laughs>